Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold! Coming to the ring, from parts unknown, at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! Silva and Gold. I am the Loaf, and with me is the Doctor of Zom. Cree, cree, cree. Cree, we love this show. This week, we have... Uh, what is our double feature? Oh, yeah, Red Beret. How do you spell beret? I couldn't figure that out. Like, if you were wearing a red beret, you it's would like be red... Barrettes. Would it be B-E-R-E-T-E-D? Uh, red Beret Mercenaries. We got... Wild Geese, The Wild Geese whack, from 1978, whack. Honk Honk, and The Seven Red Berets from 1969, which may or may not be an Italian ripoff of Dark of the Sun. We'll you see. shut your pie hole. You shut your dirty mouth whore. Uh, wow. Yeah, so like we'll get into those soon. <laughs> what have you been up, up to this week, sir? How are you? Um, it's grand. It's great. It's uh, my heart is completely into this show today. I uh, <laughs> while waiting for you to finally finish watching the movies, I had time to gorge. Uh, I ate breakfast when I came home, which is basically dinner, and so then I had approximately four hours to kill, uh, and so I wouldn't fall asleep. I ate uh, it. The, it was so good that I ate more. So twenty minutes before the show. I rode the gazelle for 20 minutes, uh, <laughs> and I thought about riding the gazelle during the show because I you know, just have headsets on. You know, I might have to click something on the computer, but uh, I'll just wait until we get off. Okay, that's nice of you. Yeah, or till I pretty, get off. <laughs> I had a pretty generic love to come. <laughs> love it. Um, it's fun. The yeah, my week was kind of yeah. You know, same old shit. Oh, cheer up, buck up, bud. <laughs> Life is a good thing. Um, Sometimes so yeah, it my... sucks. <laughs> Sometimes God is a fucking asshole. The yeah. other day, I was laying in bed, and I was looking at the ceiling, and I was cursing uh, our Lord and Savior, who I don't even believe in. And when I woke up, and I had finally gotten some sleep, I actually said, oh, well, you know. Not that big of a deal. But I'm going to hell. <laughs> Hooray. I deserve it. Um, What have you been watching this week, speaking of hell? Oh, my God. Um, I didn't feel like watching. For some reason, like, I'd watch one movie, and then I was like, okay, I'm done for the day. I don't feel like watching another fucking movie. But so, it's going to be pretty quick. <laughs> yes, I watched Hellboy 2, The Golden Army from 2008. Guillermo del Toro. 
Um, I got this on Blu-ray, and uh, I worked out my situ- situation with, uh, I don't know if it's Universal or who it is, but I bought the fucker new and brand new at Walmart. In the oh, I saw you post this. Yeah, and those assholes, uh, when I tried to put the digital copy on my iTunes, it said that it expired in 2011. So I contacted <laughs> them and I said, listen, I just bought this fucker. How could it have, you know, which I know how it does. They put it in there and then they got a whole bunch of them and they want to get rid of them. So they, they gave me a new code and it worked. Yeah. So I like this movie. It's got Tom Cruise playing uh, the prince. Uh, prince Nadu. And they say it's Luke Goss, but it is definitely Tom Cruise if you watch it. Uh, it looks like Tom Cruise. It sounds like Tom Cruise. And he even postures like Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's fucking Tom Cruise. I don't know why he didn't want to say he was in this. But this, the, the monsters in this are just fucking awesome, which is yeah. you know, what you expect from Guillermo del Toro. And I got to tell you, for a chick who has uh, like boobs as flat as my wall right here, I like Selma, Selma Blair. I think she would. I don't know what it is about her. Maybe it's her like depressing her depression or something. Um, I don't know. But she's cute in this, and I like when she has the leather outfit on and the bullet belt, like the gun belt around her hips. It's sexy. Oh, it's so sexy. I watched uh, Jack Carol or What Happened to Kerouac again because sometimes when I'm sleeping or I can't sleep, I put it on. Now this time. Uh, I watched it, and I looked at all the people. It's pretty much lo- really low budget documentary, and they interview a bunch of people from that uh, that knew him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this time, I actually wrote down a lot of the people that they interviewed and looked them up and read some stuff about them, uh, and some pretty interesting cats, if you will. And they did some pretty interesting things. Yeah, dig it. Anyway, <laughs> the next thing I watched is I scooch backwards on the IMDb. This is a handy tool. I watched. <laughs> it might catch on someday. Oh, let's see here. The next thing was a movie from 2013. For the cram. It's not for the cram because I've already yeah. seen it. Yeah. But it was directed by James Mangold. Mangold. It sounds like mm-hmm. he's like a name he made up for his penis, James Mangold. And it stars Hugh Jackman, Will Young Lee, and Tao Akamoto. And this is the Wolverine. I'm the Wolverine. And let me tell you something, people. When his, his last name, when I said the other guy's name was Mangold, well, his last name is Jackman, and in this movie, he was fucking jacked, man. I mean, there are some <laughs> scenes in this where he is flexing, and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, Jackman. Uh, you don't have to worry about the uh, fucking cancer on the end of your fucking nose, because you've probably taken so many steroids that it probably cured him. He probably actually has a healing factor. But I like this movie. It's not perfect. It's better than the Wolverine movies before. Uh, and I like all the stuff in Japan. I like uh, Yukio. She's pretty cool. Watching sh- anytime you know you have a badass chick fighting and stuff, and she's flipping around doing all this shit is cool. Uh, and uh, it's just good. I like it. I bought it. Uh, next thing I watched was more along the classic lines, Daddy. And this was a Fritz Lang movie from 1931 called M. And it's the Criterion Collection uh, version of M starring Peter Laurie, Ellen Widman, Inga Langut, 
And I got to tell you, I've seen this movie before. It's still, to me, it still holds up. Um, the colorful cast of characters, the, the, the different faces and everything. Uh, Lang was obviously very good at that. Uh, and right up there with uh, Sergio Leone. But, oh my God, some of the stuff in this movie, when like the, like the little kids bouncing her ball... And mm-hmm. then, you know, this guy comes along whistling and takes her and buys her this balloon and everything. And then showing the mother um, cooking, waiting for her child, kind of, you know, as a, a, a something that happens every day. So it's not like a big thing, you know. And she's waiting for her to come home from school. And then the other kids come home and she's like, you know, was she with you? And then, so she's like, ah, oh, maybe she did this, that, and then it goes on a little bit longer and she starts looking at the chair and then looks at the plate sitting there. And, and I mean, I was like, Oh my fuck. And when they show the ball just laying there and the balloon up in the, the, the electrical wires, mm-hmm. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. I was like, I mean, it just fucking just rips your heart out and I don't even have kids, but if somebody did something to Mary and chief, I'd fucking die. <laughs> but they're microchipped so i'd i'd seek the person who got them like wolverine i'd gut them spill their guts and then have sexual gore porn yeah wait that's last week yeah we found that um next thing i watched is an well i guess this i thought that, well i would put this in the crown because i didn't see it and I don't think we had access to it until just recently, which is 2012's The Act of Killing, which I'm pretty sure you watched too. Yes, I did. Uh, I guess this stars <laughs> some <laughs> of these people, but I'm, I, it's directed by Joshua Oppenheimer uh, and some other dude who they won't say because uh, they're afraid that, that he might get reprisals. But um, it, and- was not, it was not released... I don't think it was released in the United States until 2013, so you're good. And I think that uh, one or both of our movies take place in what was the Congo, and one of the main guys in this na- name is Anwar's Congo. Now, this movie is... Um, I, s- I know, you know, it's very interesting in how they did it and everything. It's this. It's it it becomes such a lighthearted thing that it almost it's surreal. Yeah, and it almost I don't want to say it takes away from these people killed like a million fucking people. Yeah, I think that I I, th- I read somewhere during these killings that they think there were upwards of five hundred thousand or more yeah. communists killed. During that two-year stretch at the end of the '60s, and a lot of the stuff they, you know, they they demonstrate how they killed him, and they killed him in some of the most grotesque, gruesome ways, oh, hands-on strangling and stuff like that. But the way that these people are so oblivious to that, and they're so a lot of them are so happy-go-lucky and just still like it's nothing. And then the way that it that they bring it out and get them to do all this stuff, it makes it so, like I said, almost so lighthearted that in some ways I feel like it takes away from the effect. And the only thing that add, that brings that back is the one guy feeling like almost yeah. like a post-traumatic stress kind of a deal or something like that. But um, 
I thought it was good. I liked the the way that they did it. I thought it was creative. I, my only critique is I thought it was a li- it was a little long. How long was the version you watched? Jesus Christ! For some reason, I'm thinking it was about. It was over two hours, I think. Yeah. See, on on IMDb, it says hour and fifteen. No, this was not an hour and fifteen. Mine was like two hours and thirty nine. Yeah, it was like two and a half hours. It was long. Yeah. Uh, so that was the only thing because I thought that you know they could have got the same point across and chopped it down. Um, I I really want to see that movie they were making. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now that would even be, you know, and 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 one of the most. I don't want to say the most disturbing thing because I was very disturbed by, you know, the stuff that they were showing because they were just so like, they were like sociopaths. Like they, you know, didn't even, it it was nothing to them to do this shit. But when the fat guy was brushing his teeth, and he, uh, oh. and he kept gagging. <laughs> I was like, oh. so and, gross. And then, I mean, when you brush your teeth, does like all the fucking toothpaste and shit run out of your mouth down on your gut? <laughs> no, I hate when it even drips on my chin. Yeah, uh, we're still talking. I mean, about toothpaste. toothpaste. Right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but anyway, I the, the one thing that after I watched this, and I know a lot of the people that have watched it, you know, they know the concept and everything. And then it struck me after I was watching this, and this is why I kind of went on a tirade about George Bush this week, mm-hmm. is that these people are these big heroes in their country to some people. They admit that they created propaganda that wasn't even true to demonize their enemies. Uh, and the whole concept of this movie is here these guys are on these talk shows over there, these comedy and talk shows. Ugh. And then... Right when I watched this, George W. Bush is on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He is an admitted war criminal, crimes against humanity, because he admits that he that they ordered and carried out the torture of people, which is illegal. It's illegal uh, in the international law, Geneva Convention, and it's illegal as, Amer- as American law. And he's on Jay Leno, and I didn't watch it because I fucking can't stand the son of a bitch, and I think he should be in prison. But I, you know that Leno's going to softball him, and they're going to make some jokes, and he's going to do the <laughs> And I'm like, how are we any different than these? This is like the 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 Kong or the uh, Amazonian rainforest thing that we watched last week, where. They're judging these people for being savages, and we're just as bad, but we're just more advanced. And it's the same fucking thing. So, anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox with that. So, next thing I watched. Okay, now, I really like this movie, and I have posted several times different things because I recommend it. Uh, This is directed by Zachary Heinzerling, and it's Cutie and the Boxer from 2013, a documentary. Oh, my God. This movie is... It's a documentary, and every once in a while, you come across a documentary that just clicks for you, that's just touching in different... but in different ways that it's more than what it seems. It's kind of like the the sushi one. Uh, But this one just just really this will be 
No, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not December yet, and we haven't crammed a lot or anything. Right. But right now, it's going to be in my top ten. And I, I shouldn't give that away. I should ball tease everybody. But I just <laughs> loved it. I watched it. One of the reasons I didn't watch as many movies is I watched it one night, and before it expired, I watched it again the next yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like I said before, I watched um, the Henry, Henry Rollins uh, 50 Live at the National uh, Geographic Theater, and this was when he was on stage. He actually turned fifty years old, which is pretty cool. And his stuff's usually pretty good. It's uh, spoken word. I also watched uh, the shoot interview for the exotic Adrian Street, which nice. is definitely interesting because you know he comes from England and just traveling over here with his wife and going all over and and talking about going to. Um, the Hart's house in Calgary and uh, how their house looked like the Munster's house. And it looked like a junkyard in the front yard because they had so many old junk cars. And then when you walked in the house, it smelled of – he says, it smelled of piss and dog shit. <laughs> so they definitely didn't want to eat there. I watched the Rock and Roll Express shoot interview, yeah. which is really good. And they eat pizza. Uh, while they and I think Ricky smoked some cigarettes. <laughs> I don't know why that's important. And I watched the Don Fargo shoot interview, and the one thing that stood out all about that is him talking about how he and Jackie, his wrestling brother, uh, would do all these pranks like hitchhiking completely naked, getting up on top of a car going like 80 miles an hour, and sitting <laughs> on top posing naked. Uh, and sticking cigars and toothbrushes up their uh, asshole, or I don't yes. know if it's up in the asshole or just in the butt crack, and then walking. He, he just says up the ass. You sent yeah. me that. You sent me that that shoot. Yeah, but I mean, it's like walking around the locker room, and they and all these guys were there, and they would just they're the kind of guys that if you were in high school and you would go in gym and like you know if you dressed you wanted to fucking get your shit on, or they'd be the guy that walked around just naked all the time, <laughs> didn't bother them, and they'd be like. Where's my toothbrush, brother? Where's my toothbrush? And they'd be looking around and, and like bending over in front of guys, and the toothbrush is stuck in the crack of their ass, and then take it out and brush their teeth with it and shit like that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then in the, in the shoot, he's drinking beer and he takes a cigar and crams it up his nostril, like probably an inch up into his boogery nose, snot nose, and then takes it out and puts it in his mouth. Ugh. <laughs> so not only did the fat guy brush his teeth, and make me gag, but Don Fargo made me gag. Not only for that, but also some of his uh, not so racial sensitive comments. <laughs> yeah, and I, I spent the I spent half of it trying to figure out if it was a swastika tattooed on his arm when I was watching it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm wearing my uh, Ilsa shirt today, by the way. <laughs> You're gonna um, be in trouble. Eh, whatever. Uh, let's see. I watched. I did some 2013 watching myself. Um, I watched this movie called The Act of Killing. Um, it's star. Oh wait, is that um, Hayden? <laughs> yes, this was a. Uh, this actually, yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's uh, it was definitely too long, um, but it, it's uh, where it worked for me is the absurdity and like and surreal nature of it. I think if they just went, it it could have felt like a number of other documentaries had they just focused on making it making us. Uh, feel how horrific it actually was. Yeah. As where the way it was done, you're seeing that it, it becomes a documentary about not about the killings, but about these like just bizarre. I, I don't know Staged, how to describe uh, them exactly. Yeah, these just these guys like scenes. they have they have no idea. It's like it's like it was nothing. 
And it's it's like there's no sense of morality or anything through most of it, and it's just kind of it's just it. That's what's shocking. I thought that was re- I thought it was really well done. Yeah, but I yes, mean, definitely. But the, uh, the one guy actually states, "I hope that they that they bring me on a national or an international trial for war crimes because then I'll be more famous." They're in such a I think they're in such a poor country. That that I don't know. I guess I think there would have to be a certain amount of sociopathic and psychopathic uh, mentality there. Yeah. But I mean, by definition, a sociopath isn't going to feel anything. And did you wonder at any point in this when the one guy was kind of talking about how it bothered him if he was? If that if he was being sincere or if he was just playing to, you know, I, I, I think part. he it took him fucking forever to turn a corner, but I think he did. Yeah, you talking about the main? Guy yeah, I just on, I just wondered if it was sincere or if it was like you know we've always said about documentaries you know once the camera's rolling, uh, it's still entertainment, and he had watched. So many American movies. That's what they really were into: gangster movies and uh, mm-hmm. westerns and stuff like that. I wonder, and and I wonder if maybe as a self-preservation thing, so that people would feel more sympathetic towards him. He was I don't a bizarre know. dude. There was a lot of bizarre dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I watched. I watched uh, World's End. The World's End. Yeah. The. Uh, Edgar Wright Simon Pegg joint. Oh, that's not the one I'm thinking of. This is yeah, this is the one. It's it's I guess part of a loose trilogy, quote unquote trilogy with Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know why they're a trilogy other than that there's three of them, and and maybe the st- structure of the films is feels a little similar, but this is a. Um, I don't want to give anything away if nobody if nobody's seen trailers or anything because I went into this only knowing it was Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost. The other than that, nothing. And I'm really glad that I went in cold um, because it surprised me, and I thought it was I thought that the it, the surprise was fun. So, um, but I, I did I, I liked it I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I remember when it first came out and and. I saw some initial like, meh, 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 so I just didn't really bother. Um, but then as time went on, I, you know, more and more people were saying, you know, that how much they enjoyed it. So I finally checked it out. You um, bowed good stuff. to peer pressure. I bowed, bowed down, grabbed my ankles uh, to peer pressure. Vomit. On the air. Do it on the air. We'll record it. Yeah, it's good for um, business. I watched Blackfish, the documentary. Mm, never heard of um, it. This is a uh, the Sea World. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Notir- notorious killer whale t- Tilikum um, that has killed more like three people I think and I, they, he's go ahead if I was him I'd kill everybody I saw if I had to just swim around <laughs> in that fucking little tank well he's it, this this whale is fucking huge like he's almost double the weight of a lot of the other whales that perform at SeaWorld um, and uh they show all the way back to they show clips from the seventies and some of the guys that used to help SeaWorld catch these these killer whales and they talk about this they talk about the uh the development of their brains and stuff and how some people feel like their emotional 
their emotional center in their brain is actually larger than humans. So they might have more like, you know, emo- an emotional scale that we just, we can't even comprehend, but they, I mean, you know, they, they feel separation from each other and stuff like that. And you know, these- <laughs> <laughs> I feel that God, I can't imagine that they would feel it worse than me. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, and it's Selma Blair. It'll it'll make you it'll make you not definitely not want to go to SeaWorld if uh Yeah. yeah. It's, Zoos it's, and that shit just I mean, I don't know. After I saw that they they killed off the very last black rhino and now it's extinct, it just makes me fucking sick. Yeah. Uh this is a good one though. I mean, it's uh it's nice and short too, so gets to the point. Um let's see. I watched Francis Ha. Uh, this is the new, well, twenty. It's 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 kind of trickled out. I think it I think it was actually released last year, festival wise. But um, it's uh, it it's it's Noah Noah Bombach Bombach. He also did did he do Cyrus, which I thought was okay. Um, he did uh, Greenberg, which I didn't see. He did the Squid and the Whale, which I think you're a fan of. Yeah, I like that. Um. This is pretty good. It's not for everybody because the characters are kind of fucking annoying, um, especially the main character Francis. Um, but uh, you know, I liked it. It's black and white. It's basically a it, like hipster kids in New York. I mean, they're not even kids. They're all like late twenties, early thirties. But uh, you know, all the movie talks about is how poor and blah 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 they are. Yet they don't. It doesn't really show them working all that much. Yet they could still afford rent and. All that shit. Yeah, you're so. not poor if you fucking can do that. <laughs> yeah. They don't know what poor is. If you can be a part-time dancer in New York and still somehow pay rent, then, yeah. Damn, probably um, sucking guys it, off in a fucking uh, train station or something. Yeah, wait. Uh, it was all right. I, I liked it okay. Um, I watched the new David Gordon Green movie, Prince Avalanche. Mm. Um, this is uh, Paul Rudd and Emil Hirsch. Uh yeah, I still quiet. You post that. What the fuck is the is it is it like uh, two guys that are like Forrest Gump or something or what? No, um, <laughs> they. It takes place. <laughs> it takes place in the late '80s in this part of Texas that had been um, kind of wiped out by uh, wildfire. Um, and this, uh, the Paul Rudd plays the character plays this character who has basically chosen to. He's kind of a pseudo intellectual. Is it a but comedy? Has, yeah, it's well, it's yeah, it's a dramedy. It you know, it's it it has silly stuff, but it's not like slapstick. It's not like his last couple movies, like uh, Pineapple Express and stuff like that. Um, but it has it has funny moments. But Paul Rudd is he's doing like a whole um, uh, Walden type thing. What's that guy's name? The guy that wrote Walden, Henry David Thoreau, where he's going out there and his job is to paint the lines on this road of this area that's just been completely burned away. I just painted and a line on my chair. <laughs> yeah. Put some pants on, man. No, I got um, jeans on, but they're unbuttoned. Oh. It's my belly. But uh, Emil Hirsch is his is Paul Rudd's girlfriend's brother, and he's kinda and he's kind of like drunk, uh kind of a party guy and Paul Paul uh, Alvin is Paul Rudd's character's name. I thought thought it'd be good to bring him out there too, because um, it's very solitary. They have to camp and stuff. And the um, it's it's I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, again, one that's not for everybody. It's a little slow, but there's some really uh, great cinematography in it. I thought some really good shots of these like burned forests and stuff like that. It's interesting to say the least. So. 
Uh, let's see. Watched a couple more. I watched No. Uh, no. This is directed by Pablo Larrain. Larrain. Um, this has uh, Gael Garcia Bernal in it. This is the story of um, an ad guy, basically, who was working on the campaign to get the vote out to the people to kind of end the uh, Gusto Pinochet regime in Chile in the late 80s. Mm. Um, yeah, what a piece of shit he was at the, at, that we fucking uh, put in. That we got into power, yeah. yeah. Um, so he, uh, basically, this was a vote in the late 80s to say for the people to, basically the people had to vote first to say if it was okay to vote somebody else other than Pinochet into office. Um, and um, this is kind of the, the story of the no side uh, and they're trying to figure out how to advertise it to the people without, you know, without turning people off and stuff like that. And this was okay. I, th- I think I'd like to rewatch it. It's... Um, Okay, this guy's like a mass murderer and torturer. You want to vote him in? Vote him out. Yays or nays? <laughs> well, they 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 have to touch. They have to tiptoe around that. Like they can't. They they they're worried about coming in, and it's it's interesting because they're probably worried it, about getting taken to the goddamn soccer stadium and slaughtered. Well, I I, well, I, I mean, read it's some, already over, but I mean. I read I read a couple of of critiques on it, and there's people that said that the movie ignores completely the like this massive grassroots voter registration campaign that went on at the same time, and it also um, kind of almost glamorizes the uh, commercialization of politics in Chile, how it became almost like a soda commercial, which is kind of focused on in the movie. So um, it's 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 interesting. Um, I do want to rewatch it. It's uh, it's it's a slow mover as well, um, but uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And one that's not worth checking out: um, <laughs> Los Ritos Sexuales del Diablo, or Black Candles in America. Uh, this was leftover from my Halloween stuff when I was wanting to watch uh, devil worship movies, and this is kind of uh, ripped off of um, Rosemary's Baby a little bit. It's a similar kind of. Thing going on, um, except it's like softcore porn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, the the women are pretty hot in it, but the movie was pretty boring. So it's just really just kind of softcore sex scene after softcore sex scene. But there is a there is a goat fucking scene in it, which was weird. Um, Rosemary's Baby. What? Uh, uh, the, the could have had something like that in Rosemary's Baby. I'm saying they didn't. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'd have added something. I was a little turned on when the devil fucked her. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have been turned on with this one. This is an actual goat. Oh. With the, with, with the gross rectangle pupils. Uh, uh, goat, goat eyes are fucking gross, man. <laughs> I know. I dated was... a girl that had goat eyes. <laughs> she was the devil. Um, this movie was not great. I don't recommend it unless you just want to see. How did you come across this fucking turd? You decided, uh, since you watched so much good shit, you better... It was... I, I was kind of... I watched so many, like, movies that I was paying attention to in a row that I was starting to burn myself out, so I needed <laughs> something I could halfway pay attention to Dude, while I played a video game. Good. I gotta get back and watch some garbage. Well, well, you know, I just watched a bunch of heavy movies all in a row. I watched... I watched... Um, I watched the Indonesian documentary and No, like, right in a row. <laughs> 
And uh, so I needed something a little, something I could halfway pay attention you to. You watched those two movies, then you had the furnace, then you had the car, and, you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, good man, Jesus, let up on yeah. me a little bit. See, if you pray, and you all this would be better. Yes, I, I would just, I could alleviate so much of my life. Just do it, to do it, but do it and mean it. Then shit <laughs> might take a turn for the better. I'm just saying. I'll work on that. And, uh, Maybe. Um, <laughs> that'll make you yeah. feel better. Like, well, whatever. I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll work on it. I'll work on it. The um, <laughs> So let's take a break. And uh, what? What's wrong? Um, let's do. Let's come back and review Seven Red Berets because that one happened first. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Kenny B. This is Tom KW. And we are two of the hosts from the Podcast on Fire Network. You want Asian cinema in a podcast? Well, we got the solution for you. Because at the Podcast on Fire Network, there's seven plus shows for you to choose from. You want Hong Kong action cinema and audio commentaries? We got that. You want dirty Hong Kong cinema? We got that. You want the eternal question, what's Korean cinema answer? We'll answer that. The flagship show Podcast on Fire covers classic Hong Kong cinema. Everything from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, John Woo and Jet Li. Featuring in-depth discussions with an aura of fun. This is your primary stop in the podcast world for classic Hong Kong cinema. So join me, Kenny B and Tom KW and a cast of thousands at podcastonfire.com also available on iTunes on Stitcher Radio and come chat with us on the Podcast on Fire Network Facebook group and on Twitter at Podcast on Fire Podcast on Fire Network it's Asian cinema in a podcast Bad James finally got his choice in. <laughs> He's weird. <laughs> yeah. He's so uh, bitter. I wish he would. I wish that he would find peace, inner peace. Yeah, we need. You, he needs to become a Buddhist. I was reading about the fucking like Myanmar Buddhists mm-hmm. fucking burning down mosques and stuff. It's like, what the hell is happening in the world? It's. I'm telling you that what it is. It's the Antichrist, which is Obama. <laughs> and he's turned everybody against you. Doesn't it seem like everything's upside down and everything, you know? Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, that that's thats the thing of Buddhism is that they don't do that. I don't understand. It's all for you, Daniel. All right. Our first movie of the day, Seven Red Berets, or Sette Bashi Rossi, or... What was it else? What else Congo was it called? Hell. Congo Hell. Or Rebellion. <laughs> Or Raspberry Beret. Raspberry Berets. The kind that you find in the city. 
What else we got here? There's lots of names. We got Les Sept Beres Rouge. We have de KRP. Os Sete Buenas Vermelhas. And anyway, um, this is uh, directed by what's this guy's name? Mario Cialiano. Mario Siciliano. Um, and uh, basically, you have if you want to read the synopsis of Dark of the Sun, you'll get the synopsis of this one. Basically, you have a group of of uh, mercenaries in uh, the Congo. Uh, this is this. There's no synopsis, so I'm going to stumble through this. Um, this is right after the Simba Revolution, mid '60s, and a uh, a group has been isolated, captured in this village. Um, one guy escapes. One French journalist, lady kind, um, has been left behind, as well as a a, a set of important documents. Um, the head of the mercenaries back out of the troubled area assembles a little team to send him back into. I don't know to rescue her, which they end up doing, but they have to go get these documents. And I don't remember what the documents are, but I don't need either. They need, either. They, they need like them. Three times. They they need the they need they these need papers. Them. They need the papers. So Zom, yes. Let's hear about uh, let's hear about the seven red berets or Congo Hill. Congo Hill. Congo Hill was the one that starred uh, Tim Curry. And Joe Don Baker and Bruce Campbell and Good Gorilla, Good Gorilla, which I'm trying to talk feminine <laughs> critique into reviewing. Bad Gorilla, Bad Gorilla. Okay. Seven Red Braves. Um, this movie is one that I found on a, by, via other means mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. a long time ago when I was doing that. Oh. You mean you mean you purchased it on VHS at a local bookstore? No, at a right? flea market. Oh, okay. Yes. And uh, it's not a real good copy. I don't know if there mm. is a real good copy out there because there well, are some probably extreme not. cuts in this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, like right in the middle of things. You know that somebody took a machete in the Congo and cut out fucking like just a big piece of film. film. So... You've got uh, this pickle named Loaf um, described sort of, you know, in, in, uh, with his pr- prior preparation for the show. The synopsis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got okay. nothing. So what happens is um, it starts out with a fucking bang, that's for sure. Yeah, because you start out with almost like a uh, I wouldn't say a cannibal holocaust, but I would say on those levels of brutality, people. Being yeah, and it, and I was when I was reading about it. Apparently, the it's supposed to start with like a voiceover or something, but we just the cut that's on this this VHS is yeah. it goes straight into people being tortured and <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. Uh, now I will say this. Um. I have one of the reasons that, you know, I kind of wanted to do this show anyway, is that I was, when I first, I can't remember if it was like back in the 70s, early 70s, there was a a group of mercenaries um, that, I mean, it might have been late 60s or early 70s, but I was like a little kid. No, I think it was like 76. 
um, there was a group of mercenaries that they kind of put together. And uh, I'm trying to – I don't know what part of Africa they were in. And they all got captured. They were going around. They were working for the CIA. And the, the leader was this guy, Colonel Tony Allen. And he was this uh, uh, Greek guy. And if you ever watched the CNN uh, miniseries, The Cold War, they talk about this time. And these guys were poorly armed. It was a really shitty, poorly planned thing. They yeah. didn't have really the, – the weapons didn't get there, so they just had to scavenge for weapons. Uh, these guys were not uh, – like when you talk about Mike, uh, Mad Mike or who was the uh, guy that they based uh, – the uh, Bruce Curry character from Dark of the Sun and right, right, the right. Uh, Faulkner character from Wild Geese. They based both those characters on him. Uh, his The groups that he led were uh, former uh, World War II vets uh, and um, Belgian soldiers and, and uh, paratroopers and stuff like that. He even had a, a one guy... Uh, um, they called him Congo Mueller, and he was a fucking former Nazi. And so then when the Time magazine did this big story about uh, 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 five commando uh, – the first time in the first Congo conflict, um, his group was uh, uh, four, number four commando. second one was number five commando. And um, Congo Mueller was his like, second in command. And they got really bad publicity when the guys from Time Magazine were taking photos and video, or not video, but film of them over there. And he was wearing his, like, not the Iron Cross. And so people really did not like that. So they, in Dark of the Sun, where they have the Nazi guy in that right. that fights uh, Rod Taylor with the chainsaw, that was sort of based on the Congo Mueller. Uh, character but i don't think that guy was like a uh whore really liked him he thought he was a great soldier and everything but uh they were driving around the jeeps with uh you know uh african people's skulls on the jeeps and stuff um uh, just really kind of gross stuff um but anyway the so i when i saw that they they um actually the Africans kind of said, hey, you know, we're tired of you motherfuckers sending these goddamn mercenaries because it was illegal. Uh, they, they eventually made it illegal. If yeah. you were a mercenary in Africa and you got caught, I mean, it was the death penalty. And guess yeah. what? They got caught and they got the death penalty. And it was like a big national thing. It was the news and everything. Put them on trial and they, they hung them. So um, – and so there was a couple of them that were Americans, and they had just like found – like I said, these guys were not the cream of the crop. They, the, I think one or two of the Americans just answered an ad in the back of Soldier Report magazine. Uh, some of them were Vietnam vets, you know, but they were you know, just kind of really ragtag, scummy guys. So I kind of got an interest in that, and, that's, and I think that one, of the, one of the really first big ones that I remember seeing was the next one that we're going to review – and also Dogs of War, and uh, there's and, and then Dark of the Sun, and there's been several movies like that uh, made about it. And the one, uh, there was one of those, uh, I can't remember what they called them. It was like a Mondo uh, uh, movie. Um, 
like right. made to be almost like look like it was real. No, it was. It was like a. It was almost like a. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, the ones where they used to they. Uh, they would show like the alligator supposedly killing a guy and rolling around. Oh, yeah, like oh, like faces of death. Faces of death, but they, these were like they were like mondo africana something, and they showed some of the footage of where they followed these guys around in the Congo and some of the stuff that happened. But the the one thing like in this movie, uh, and Dark of the Sun, is um, they, it took place in the the the, uh, the Simba uprising. And it really does, like, I was going to come around to it, is uh, at the beginning of this movie, when they show how they were torturing these people, Mm -hmm. and if you see the uncut version of Dark of the Sun, where Jim Brown takes his shirt off and pretends he's like a Simba and he's drunk, and they go into the town and all this stuff's going on, it was fucking ultra brutal. Uh, I read accounts of where they would take people and like uh, pour gasoline down their throat and fill their stomach up full of gasoline, put a hole in their stomach and light it on fire. Just all kinds of, you know, rape and mutilations and just all this brutal stuff. And, and the Simbas were known to, um, it's like when you see uh, Black Hawk Down and they talked about how they, the, the people over there would get a hot, at a certain time of the day, they would chew this root or leaves or whatever it's called, like cot or something, and they would get high so when they get in a frenzy, you know, and that's the way these guys were. They would just get all fucking hopped up on all this shit. And um, it, it was just really super brutal stuff. And it, this was uh, – they tried to make it out to be – and I think this, this sort of had to do with the documents that they were trying to find. And in the next movie, some of the stuff that was going on there – it's almost like the Yugoslavian conflict where they tried to say it was Serbs versus the Croats, but it was really uh, Muslims versus Christians. And over there, the, 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 they could say, well, it's communist versus the West, right. but the communist and the West, you know, us and England and Belgium and places like that, because um, it was the Belgian Congo for a long time. Um, we were just the puppet masters, and we were manipulating everything. It was more tribes against tribes, um, and my, you know, our great grandfather's massacred, massacred and raped your tribe, and now we're going to come in and get revenge. And it goes on for so long, just like in the Middle East right now, and we're, you know, manipulating either side. So. Uh, you have the the one the one the he was the leader of the first group that you see getting tortured at the beginning, and they come up with some creative ways to torture these guys. Uh, so if you ever see, I, I don't know if I want to really want to say what it is because if it, it, it is something that's I wouldn't I don't know if I want to say clever, but it's like the uh, act of killing. It's something like they would come up with, and so anyway. The one guy, right after they show that and they run the credits, he's talking to his commanding officer, and he's like, you know, I, I just escaped, and um, you know, I was I was lucky to get out with my life. And the guy's like, listen, you know, we're fucking paying your ass to do this shit. You you would have been better off to get fucking killed because. Um, you know the the fact that you showed up, it kind of showed that that you know made him speculate that he was a coward, 
because he had right, also right. served. This guy was a. There was a couple of uh, Congo Mueller's in this too, because there was a couple of uh, Germans, including the main, uh, like captain or whatever that was the 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 uh, bureaucrat guy that was sending him out. And he said, you know, he suspected that he ran and left his men because they. He said when they were uh, fighting on the Rhine in World War II, like he had done something like that before. And the guy's like, you got to let me go back, you know, and all this and that. And I thought that guy, and I cannot remember. His name in the movie is Brandt. Brandt. Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T. Okay, I'm trying to find him on the list. Because I thought I had seen him in um, in one of his Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns. Uh, you know, it's possible because this was 1969, so, yeah. But yeah. He, he's got big white teeth, and he sweats a lot. But anyway, <laughs> um, you you see um, some racism, oh, a lot of racism in this. Yeah. Uh, because the the it's not only the German guys, but for, for the most part, the, 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 the Brandt, who is the kind of the captain or whatever, um, his boss tells him, "I'm going to give this to this um, this other guy who's an a- an African," and so he's just shitting himself, like you know. Uh, and they use the N word liberally in this, and he said, "You know that first of all, the fact that that he gets passed over, then a double kicking the nuts to him is that it's turned over to this you know black African guy." And so he manipulates the situation and basically kind of blackmails his boss into letting him be in charge again. Now, then enter uh, Serge Nubray. <laughs> okay. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Pumping Iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger about the um, Mr. Olympia, and it's got Lou Ferrigno and all that, and Solomon's Guide had reviewed it. Um, and I think. Uh, Maybe Talk Without Rhythm reviewed it too, or Projection Booth. I can't remember. But um, that Mr. Olympia took place in Pretoria, South Africa. Okay. And at that time, that was during apartheid. And there were several professional boxers over there that were like their heavyweight champion of South Africa that right. were world champion material. And Muhammad Ali was, or say Larry Holmes or somebody like that was the champion. They would not let these guys fight uh, like Muhammad Ali because Muhammad Ali was black. And apartheid, you know, just total segregation, racism, and everything. They did not see these these black uh, uh, Africans as their equals to the Afrikaners or whatever, the white Africans in South Africa. So in that movie, Pumping Iron, one of the big things that came about is it was supposed to be Schwarzenegger against Ferrigno. Because Ferrigno was actually physically bigger, taller, way more and everything than Schwarzenegger. But at the last second, this guy shows up, Serge Nubray. And... Um, in pumping, pumping iron, uh, uh, Mr. Olympia is under like you know Joe Weeder was the the guy the, the promoter for that. Well, at the same time, there was a group. Uh, there was one called uh, I think it was a, sort of the same group, but they had over over a period of time had two different names. One of them was Naba, and one of them was I think 
uh, I think it was Naba and something else. But Serge Nubray was the champion of that. Uh-huh. And he was a black African. Or I think, well, French, actually. And so they would, they, you know, letting him in the contest was like this huge thing. You know, oh my God, you know, there's this black, you have this black up on stage, you know, and everything. And, but he was, when, when people, people forget, because they always think Schwarzenegger and Frigno, because they do Frigno from the Hulk. But first place went to Schwarzenegger. He won the contest. Second place was Serge Nubray. And Serge Nubray was, I think Schwarzenegger was more worried about him because he was just sculpted. He had the small waist, symmetrical and everything. So anyway, Serge Nubray is in this movie. And he has a fairly big part because right off the bat, uh, um, he gets into a conflict with this guy, Kimber, Sergeant Kimber, who is a ex-Nazi. And he's a fucking asshole. He's just, <laughs> and, and another thing that... Uh, I'm glad that we just reviewed um, the uh, Cannibal Ferox, and mm-hmm. they showed the animal uh, brutality and stuff. Because this cocksucker, he's a sadist, and they have a leopard tied like to a chain to a tree or a rope. Yeah, that fucking cheetah. Yeah. That was like I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I was thinking. Yeah, that guy. I, I thought that was bad enough. So he's yeah, he's taunting this poor cheetah on a fucking that's tied to a stick. Uh, with, with a goddamn blowtorch, yeah, and the, yeah, with a bl- with a yeah with a flamethrower, and, and that then, was real because I mean he may not have been getting it like right up on it or whatever. That thing was scared, yeah, of that fire. It was it was pulling against its neck to try and, and then know. and then yeah, then Serge Nubray walks up to him and and he's like. You know, you know, it's just an animal. Leave him alone. He's like, why? Yeah, why? Why fuck with an animal when I when it can be a nigger like you and yeah. tries to fucking st- pick a fight? And he, they get into two fights in like two minutes. Yeah, and and I mean, and the and one thing, if you watch this movie, now, I don't know if you if if you see it as much if you if you don't know who Serge Nubray is, but this fucker's got his fatigues on, and you can still see that he his fucking waist <laughs> looks like it's about twenty two inches, but then he's got these big arms and stuff and. And so he gets into it with Kimber, and of course they break it up a couple different times. But this, this, uh, this fucker. Then the Kimber has a conversation with I think like this Irish guy that's also in the group, and he was like, you know, uh, you know, they're not, you know, we did this with the Jews or whatever, uh, and uh, but he basically says. The guy says something about killing Jews or something like that, and Kimber says, well, you know, Hitler was full of shit about a lot of things, but at least he got that right. And he's basically saying that they should kill off all the blacks in Africa. So, And there was a lot of people that thought that way. If you watch, I mean, there's several movies about, you know, that that period of time is really fucking disgusting uh, how they were. Um, There's a couple of documentaries. the 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 leader his uh, chauffeur his wife or something like that it's the guy that did the documentaries um, about um, Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love and um, he did two about uh, this one asshole who was the leader of this like white supremacist uh, Afrikaner farmers over there and how they would take over these people's farms and stuff yeah so the the the, the whole concept of uh, there's so many different movies. There's one called uh, Lumumba about Patrice Lumumba that's really a really good movie that's based around this time uh, that, that goes along with this movie and the next one. 
the one later on with Denzel Washington Biko about Stephen Biko. Uh, there's a a, um, a saying in the next movie that they use in that, but I'll bring it up later. But anyway, um, so they are told, you know, okay, you we need to go to this village and get these papers back. Now, for the most part, I can't really remember, and I don't know maybe if it got cut or if it wasn't explained out that well or whatever, what the papers were, but they said they were crucial. The only thing that was crucial over there was um, like mineral rights and shit like that. So I have, I imagine it had something to do with copper or uranium yeah, yeah. or diamonds or some bullshit like that. So anyway, um, they need to find a guide to, to uh, you know, because they said, well, you know, nobody's really familiar with that area. The 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 one uh, African guy that was going to be in charge of the group, he goes and finds this this dude in a bar, and this guy's pretty much a burnout. I mean, he's just he's just fucking burnout <laughs> uh, from everything. I think he's kind of a drunk, and and he's been through some trauma, and he just hates everybody, hates the world, and um. He's a, a Frenchman, so uh, which really doesn't play into it too much. I mean, you know, it's all Italian and it's dubbed in English, and and so you know, uh, it just they they say you know the you know the Frenchman or something like that a few times, but he finally yeah, they, they, they 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 put a little bit of everything to yeah. just to make sure they make sure to make sure they offend a little bit of everybody. Yeah, pretty much. There's no Asians to offend, but that's about it. Yeah, um, he um, he. Well, he's just like, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm just, all I care about is money now. I'm just totally, you know, just de devoid of anything. I mean, or void of anything. So, um, it's funny because, <laughs> no, I don't know why I said this is funny because you were just talking about offending everybody. But they get on this truck <laughs> and they're driving along. And, and now, I could tell right away that this person was a woman. She has on the big mirror aviator sunglasses, but she's got the you know the fatigues on and the beret and everything. She's sitting there, and that Kimber guy who is you know of course being played up just kind of like like I said like the the chainsaw guy in Dark of the Sun. He's just the the fucking asshole, right? Um, and he just reaches over and just pulls her fucking fatigued shirt open, and her tit comes out, and he goes, "Oh, she's a woman, ah, hey baby, you know, nice tits, <laughs> you know." Yeah, so, he's such a piece of shit. He's such a piece of shit. And so anyway, um, she's the the medical person, but they they yeah. do go uh, one thing, um, and that's something that you see in several of these movies too. Uh, is even though there is racism between the whites and the blacks, not mm -hmm. all of them, but I'm sure you know quite quite a few of them. Um, when it comes down to it, and they, they explain it sometimes in these movies where it's like, okay, uh, why are you helping this person, or why are you doing this, or why are you doing that? And, they, and, and they'll say, you know, I'm African too, you know. Uh, like the 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 woman, she was white, but she was African. I mean, uh, a lot of these Dutch people, Germans and Dutch and stuff, they they had lived there, and that was the big thing about apartheid. The 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 uh, the masses were black, but the rich people and you know that that owned a lot of, uh, took over the land, owned a lot of the land, were white, but yeah. their relatives had lived there forever too. So I mean, for generation after generation. Now they might not have been 
the indigenous people there. They're like, hey, motherfucker, my family's had this farm for like five <laughs> generations, and you're telling me it's not our fucking farm? And so anyway, uh, they kind of explained that with that with her. You know, that they said, you know, what the fuck? And, and, and she's a woman. You know, why is she here? And he said, well, she's African. You don't understand. So you have in this movie, it's low-budget shit, but I will say that several of the battles I thought were done fairly well. Yeah. Uh, they were, uh, in an entertaining way, but also in a brutal way, where they would uh, attack a... Like, when, they, when I say a village, uh, it's these grass kind of hut deals and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they would go in there, and even though there were... I mean, how many were there at, at first? Maybe like not even ten, maybe like ten. Yeah, it was. Uh, you mean in the in the mercenary group? I think. Yeah, it was I, a small force. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as big as. It definitely wasn't as big as the one in Wild Geese. Yeah, it was like platoon size. I mean, it was just like uh, a handful of guys. But because they were professional soldiers, I mean, they would go in, and I mean, they would fucking just blow the shit out of. You yeah. Know, they they knew tactics and everything, and they had grenades. And I mean. And they really showed the, the brutality of, um, especially again, the Kimber guy, where he would just take a grenade. He'd see somebody like maybe a, a person injured lay, laying on a bed in one of these huts that's injured already. He just throw a grenade in there. Um, you had, uh, and now when the first big battle was going on like that, um, it, uh, Cars, the Elaine Cars. He's the is played by uh, Ivan uh, Razimov. He was the French guy that that was the uh, not the tracker, but the guy. And yeah, at first, yeah. he wasn't guiding very much at first because I was like, wait a minute, he's like in the back. Why the fuck? <laughs> he just fucking lays around and drinks out of a flask. Yeah. But he starts having this freak out. He's he's behind this log because he's like, I'm not fucking fighting. There were several different times where they either get ambushed or then during that first big battle and he was like hey i'm gonna fight my pay fight i don't have to fight and he would just fucking just put his head over his eyes like go to sleep or take a drink like you said and but the one big battle he starts hearing all this fucking explosions from the grenades and the machine guns and everything he like fucking freaks out and just fucking rapes the fucking uh, <laughs> no the he's got a really odd coping mechanism yeah and she, she's like behind, like hiding behind this, because uh, she's a medical person. And you know, this is the 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 the, the, uh, the white African woman that was there to be their medical person. And she's yeah. like laying beside, and he just like grabs her, and I mean, just gets on top of her and starts fucking her. And now, and it, you gotta be, you gotta make sure to get her tit out again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, you know, she was there for a reason. She wasn't bad looking. So anyway, um, and then you know, can you imagine? And, and and the one thing, and this is sad, like I was saying with the active killing and then Bush being on Leno, the one thing that I thought was really uh, disturbing about this is we're sitting here watching this and thinking, God, this is so horrible. She's out – now, they were mercenaries, so it wasn't like regular army or whatever, but we had that shit going on in our armed forces right now. They said that the, the uh, sexual assault of women – by their fellow brother soldiers or seamen or whatever, uh, sailors. Um, seamen. Yeah, it's just like it's like astronaut. They even did a documentary about that recently, and and they the the women are ostracized if they take it to whatever. 
to 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 try and you know turn the people in that rape them. Right. And sometimes even their commanding officers are either friends with the guys that raped him or their commanding officer was the guy that raped him. But you see this and, and it's like, what the fuck? I mean, you know, dude, you're freaking out. Uh, does that help? <laughs> I don't think anything was. He thought, you know, well, God damn, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out fucking, you know, or something. I don't know. Don't right, right. But I think it, they, they explain it sort of toward the end, but it still doesn't make a lot of sense. But I guess he was kind of <laughs> crazy. And then... Um, it, the one he's, part, he's a little bit shell shocked. He'd been there for a while. There was uh, some some of the, the the dudes decide to take liberties with some of the women of the village, like right in the middle of a, of combat. Um, but then I think that the reason that they had him there was a certain part of it, and it was the swamp part and the desert part that they needed uh, that that the French guy to lead them through. Right. So once they get the the papers, um, the papers, the, your papers, please. They have to go through this really gross, swampy part. Now they sort of like like you said, a blueprint of Dark of the Sun, uh, where Jim Brown, um, they after they kill a bunch of people, they find Jim Brown finds the two little kids in in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they even had that scene. In exact there. same thing there. Now, uh, <laughs> but. It, the, their fate in Dark of the Sun was a little bit different, whereas in this yeah. one, uh, they actually take him along with them. And they find the, the French uh, woman. And so they say, okay, well, we're going to you know, take her. And so now they have two women, and they've got these two little kids. And the one scene that really disturbed me, okay, of course, again, as far as, I don't know if I would say animal cruelty, I guess, the, especially since they lingered on it, it was the snake yeah, totally pointless. And by the way, I don't think fucking boa constrictors live out in the middle of the fucking savanna in Africa either. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they um, obviously just placed there. Yeah, but to look one dangerous, scene that yeah. really disturbed me was um, well, you had you had the different different areas here because you had like a, a jungle part, and then you had a swampy part, and then you had like a desert. No, there are some crazy looking. Like rock formations that, in that, that desert. yellow kind of weird yeah that was thing. weird looking I don't know what that was it looked like and, but then they then they had this like this was filmed in Ethiopia I read yeah. by the way but the um so it was all th- yeah yeah it it but they there the the what did look bad is when they're walking across the desert and they you know when when they when you have the desert uh, photos where it's looked like it had poured rain and then dried very very quickly and the yeah. earth like cracks and gets like glassy looking yeah they do they did the crack thing here but it just looked like someone had like taken their toe and drawn it on yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't look like it didn't look like the actual cracked earth well i will say the w- one part in here that really fucking unnerved unnerved me and made me kind of feel like really fucking weird that they would shoot this because it looks so realistic is they had to walk down over this embankment into this like really swampy shit that was like chest deep almost up to their neck so the guys were carrying their guns like at arm's length over over their heads the one the female doctor woman um female doctor woman i guess if she's a female she would be a woman uh (laughs) she's carrying one of those little kids but not a doctor. She's probably just a nurse. Yeah, but I mean, to, to, for like a military thing, they just needed somebody to patch you up. But she's carrying this little kid, and the guy says, you can't carry it, you know, and she goes, stay away from me, because of course he raped her. Um, she's carrying this little kid, and then she gets like where she either steps in a hole or loses her balance and goes under, 
And that little kid went under the water like Yeah, that looks That looked real to me and I thought that looked like that that was really shitty. That kid didn't look happy. To put those kids I mean these are like little kids, you know. And um so Surge has a you know uh gets wounded. Um and another ambush. And so they're kind of like, okay, I guess he got shot in the leg, and I guess it shattered the bone or something. So he was pretty much fucked, which I thought it was kind of a – I thought they would at least show his – what happens to him. But they end up – they have to leave him behind. And, of course, Kimber's an asshole, and he's like, fuck, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. And so then Kimber – I can't remember what led up to – what led up to Kimber getting in a fight with the French guy. The, um, because I mean they had a they do because he because he wanted to rescue uh either a villager basically he was pissed that somebody was trying to help out the black guy, a black guy. Yeah, but I mean they got into some fisticuffs and that French dude man he was fucking laying some haymakers on his fucking dumb ass <laughs> and Kimber had a boot knife that he would always pull out you know he'd start out fighting fair but then of course since he's a piece of shit he has to pull a knife and then you do da 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 I, I like when he yells I kill you I you son of a bitch and he liked to throw grenades but he paid the fucking piper with his that that grenade uh, bit they did right there at the, at the yeah. end of that fight, it was, I don't, I, I, it was perfect where he threw it. If that was a, a just a, a pe- like an explosive setup in the water, yeah. or either that, or it was a real fucking explosive. Yeah, he was throwing. Because I'm telling you what, there was a couple times at the beginning when the when the one they get ambushed and they chase those guys down and the guy gets he gets wounded, so they track him and he hides under this brush, this kind of hole, and Kimber says, I found him and then he takes a grenade and throws it in there. Now, I know the guy wasn't in there, but to me, it looked like he threw a grenade in there and then he hit the fucking dirt and man, it blew up. It, well, like, and it looked like realistic because, you know, you see in some movies they'll throw a grenade and it looks like an A-bomb went off. Well, yeah, they do that it They do that in the next movie. Like, it's yeah. always like, yellow fire and sparks. And, yeah. But the... the uh, and when when Kimber throws that last grenade, I swear, right when it hits and where yeah. it hits the water, there's up. a big like plume of water that bl- blows up. I'm it curious if that was real because it's so low budget. You know? <laughs> um, so then they they um, do the march across the desert, and of course they're fucking their asses are fucking dying. I mean they're like, Ugh. and um, this one dude, uh, which was Sergeant uh, okay, Sergeant Blasky. Now he kind of uh, he's also a, a, a the actor's a German guy Sieghart Rupp and uh, <laughs> Rupp Rupp uh, Rup. he um, kind of tries like he's going to take control but then the 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 black African captain you know kind of seizes control back from him and and uh, but they're walking across the desert and I mean they're just dying it's like the deal where you you can see the fucking heat. Just yeah, making yeah. ripples, and you can see this mountain range way across there, and they're, that's where they're walking to. And in your mind, you'd be like, "Well, there's that mountain range or whatever." But shit, they probably could walk for like uh, ten days and not get to it. So anyway, the 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 cars or uh, the 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 French guide, he basically knows where they're going, and he tells him, he says, "Okay, there's." Uh, water at this certain point or whatever. They almost drank some water and and to accentuate the fact that the water was bad, they had a dead frog in it. Uh, which was it was a big frog too. Uh, they 
get to this little town uh, train station and they commandeer a train, uh, basically kill some people and, and, and steal this train. And so th- at that point, you kind of uh, get a, a deal where I don't know if I would say that the, the French guide had like a crisis of conscience or what the fuck. First of all, he talks to the, the, uh, the doctor chick that he raped. And he tells her basically <laughs> what you know what happened to him that fucked him up so much and why he was such a such a burnout. And then the whole thing about tearing up the well, whatever. I don't want to say. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, you kind of you, you you get some insight into his character, which is you know he's the main guy. He's the he he's the Rock Hudson guy or the Tom Cruise guy or whatever, and. Uh, you have a, a, a another nice fucking gun battle and shit like that uh, toward the end. Um, again, very low budget. It's a yeah. it, it's like a military spaghetti western, you know, something yeah. like that. But uh, what what are your thoughts? Um. Well, I I had seen Dark of the Sun for the first time. Either late last year or this year, right? Um, so the the comparisons were just always there uh, for a for a kind of a what are they, a macaroni combat type movie. Yeah. I guarantee it, it, Dark of the Sun's budget was a lot more than this. Well, like, yeah, 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 and so, I mean just by the just by the actors alone. But um, I mean it, it's for for that. I'd say it's 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 totally fine. Um, the uh, everybody that's supposed to be slimy is does a good job at that, and everybody that's not supposed to be slimy is slimy because they're sweating their fucking nuts off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when they're running around in the in the uh, in the town and stuff, like a couple of the villages, the the dudes. So the, these, um, I'm curious, did all the mercenaries in Africa in the 60s and 70s wear fucking red berets? It's funny that we you know we have this double feature, but it's like I think I think in Dark of the Sun, they wear red berets too, right? Yeah, I think so, it was just a... I don't know if that was like a paratrooper. Uh, well, see, they're all from different countries. Yeah, they're so all from different it has countries. To be a, it has to be a common thing for the Well, it might, it might just be because uh, I know that when my core had like Commando 4 and Commando 5 or 5 Commando 4 Commando, that they were actually... Because he was a captain out of... The uh, British Army in, uh, I guess, you know, World War II, but then he was actually considered an officer in this that country, which whether it was Katanga or, or you know, Congo, which later on became Zaire. Um, he was a a captain or a colonel. He was a captain at first, but then made a colonel in their actual army. So that mm-hmm. might have just been their uniforms. Yeah. It, the um you get some like voiced over uh, and it's, it, it works for a movie that has to move along as quickly as this one did. They, there's some voiced over like there's narration to kind of say where they're going, but it works into the story because it's done by the French journalist as if she is the one, yeah. like she's writing her, like what's going on. They, so that's part of the story is she, at the, as the movie opens, she's up on the, like basically like crucified on a pole and it's implied. And I'm curious with scenes like that. I'm curious if there's a, 
more gruesome cut of this movie out there. Oh, uh, um, you could see just really super hard cuts. So you know. Yeah, just, so I'm curious, like if they show like her being like it's just implied, I guess, raped. that she's raped there as they're as she's being lowered on this pole into a group of this as these just sweaty men just like screaming at her and stuff. Um, but the uh, and you know, and some of the kills and stuff. I'm curious if that was kind of edited out too, even though they do show tit and stuff. I mean, it's it is it's like a more exploitative. Dark of the Sun. And if you like that movie, this one is definitely serviceable. Um, and I, I think my favorite part was actually Kimber because I, I was just rooting against him the whole time. They just made shit. him such a slimy shithead. Well, you know, Dark <laughs> of the Sun, there was a... Um, there well, the was, Nazi guy in that, too. There was two, well, there was two cuts of that because they actually cut out uh, some, of the, some of the violence that they had in it and some of the torture and, and rape oh. uh, was cut out of that. So it just depends on what... Huh. Um, what cut of that you get? Because I think the original international cut had a lot more when the Simbas were torturing people and raping like men and women that was in there, and then they cut it out. So you can still get that cut, but you know. I, I also liked that Kimber, um, where everybody else was using like the normal like U.S. issue frag grenades, he had potato mashers yeah. that he was throwing. <laughs> that was, was pretty like funny. A German deal there, yeah. <laughs> um. But I mean, it's got you know, it's 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 just a lower budget version, and that's you know, if that's what you want, it's good for that. So um, we can get into rating here. You know, what's funny is how I wonder. Uh, of course, you know, I know it's it's not well, it's not. I want almost just said Hollywood. It's not Hollywood, but it's still you know, <laughs> motion pictures. Uh, that neither one of those women could be like like the uh, doctor couldn't have been like some butch, you know, uh, or the 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 French journalist woman couldn't have been like some. No nope. frumpy girl or a heavy got girl. You got to make them hot, so you want to see their shirt fly open. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and, and she didn't wear a bra, so uh, probably nope. too hot. I uh, for a low budget uh, fucking movie with some sweaty guys, some acting that's not like the greatest in the world. But like I said, I like the um, I like the 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 combat. I like that Kimber was such a fucking piece of shit. I like <laughs> the fact that for no reason this guy would just raping some woman. Uh, it just was sleazy as shit. Um, and I've and the subject that you know, like I said, I, I like the subject matter. Yeah. Jeez, um, I want to rate this fucking higher than I should probably. Just rate it high. Rate, rate uh, it how you feeling. I give it a seven. Nice. I give I'd it a five. It. I give it a five and a half. I recommend it if if you like the if you like the subject matter of just those the the macaroni combat in general. It's some sleazy um, shit. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a sweaty sleazy little movie, and I'm and there's probably a ten minute additional cut I'm sure somewhere in the world that we might surface at some point, um, and well we'll see. So, but yeah, it's 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 a it was a little better than average for me. But uh, you know, there's other movies I like better. But yeah, I could done I've done a lot worse on this show even. So. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right, uh, let's take a break and uh, come back and do the wild geese. We'll be right back. There are a lot of podcasts out there that do science fiction, horror, and fantasy movies, but how many of them are done by somebody who's been watching this shit for half a century? 
Hi, my name is Terry Frost, and I do the Martian Drive-In Podcast, a podcast where I look at silent films all the way through to movies from the second decade of the 21st century. I look at fantasy, horror, and science fiction, and talk about them, sometimes with a guest, sometimes by myself, but always with an eye to the stuff that maybe has slipped off your radar, if it was ever on your radar. So go to marsdrivein.blogspot.com or type Martian Drive-In Podcast into iTunes and enjoy a bit of decent genre talk. And keep watching the skies. When the hell did Sergeant Slaughter use that music? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even fucking remember that. <laughs> that had to be. That had. But maybe that's after he became like agent or trainer, and he would just come out for like special appearances or something. Right, WWEF, whatever. Because I remember when he when he uh, went like Middle Eastern heel in the nineties. I think I don't. I don't. I definitely don't know he didn't have this music. And then he kind of disappeared after that. That was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the Saddam Hussein yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wild Geese. Nineteen. Bush would have seen that Sergeant Slaughter was working with fucking Iraq. Oh my God! We would have invaded he, even sooner. He did. His dad was the president then. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Maybe that's what the weapon of mass destruction was—the Cobra Clutch. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> good job, Brownie. Um, <laughs> that, that's what you would like Jimmy Valiant when he was under the glass coffee table and the girl takes a big dump and the brown, the brown fucking one eye, brown wonder, lets the big turd out. And he's like, Yeah, good job, Brownie. Dig it. No, that's Macho Man. I, don't know, I can't remember how Jimmy Valiant. I have to do. We'll, we'll have to work on our Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. You know, it, he looks like he'd be he'd be fun to imitate, but this, I can't remember exactly what his voice sounds like. This friend of mine that I haven't fucking probably talked to in uh, like fucking uh, I don't know how many years emailed me the other day to tell me that he bought some wrestling magazines off of eBay, and uh, he for some reason or other had to contact the guy that was selling them or the guy contacted him uh-huh. and the, it's Jimmy Valiant. Nice. <laughs> Jimmy Valiant selling like a bunch of his old shit I guess on eBay and he said he's actually talked to him so he said it's him. Let me, let me tell you about uh, Jim Cornette's Jim Cornette's podcast if you didn't listen to it. I right? listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's going to be a but it, it's, it's to me it's going to be like when we went to that Q&A and we're sitting there and everybody's eating up all these wrestling stories that Jim Cornette's saying they're all fans <laughs> of his and everything and then he starts talking about politics and you get these guys sit behind us yeah what about fucking Obama and then they get up and leave he will alienate because uh, so, there's a lot of rednecks that liked uh, NWA and you know mm-hmm. WCW, and I, I I know he doesn't give a fuck, but I mean yeah. I wouldn't give a fuck either. It's like on here. I mean, 
what we say. I mean, it, you know, I'm sorry if you don't like politics that, that we're saying, but you know what? Uh, if you're a redneck <laughs> or a right winger or something like that, feel free to listen to the show, but I'm not going to fucking pull any punches. I think some of the shit that those people do are fucking, they're, they're just despicable. Yes. Um, all right. Regressive. Wild geese. Yes, reg- he used that term. It's, the opposite of, re- of progressive is regressive. I can't uh, wait wild to see geese. Jimmy again. My friend Jimmy and JJ. Yeah, he was, uh, <clears throat> he was talking about the, uh, doing the Charlotte thing next year, yeah. so we'll see. But maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we can make it this year. Dig it. Uh, wild geese, 1978. Uh, I'll let you introduce it here. Oh, my God. I was putting lip balm on. Yeah, I'm eating a I'm eating a little Debbie cake. Okay, let's see here. Yes, a British multinational seeks to overthrow a vicious dictator in Central Africa. What? It hires a band of large, largely aged mercenaries <laughs> in London and sends them in to save a virtuous but imprisoned opposition leader who is also critically ill and due for execution. Just when the team performs a perfect alright you can fill in the rest because I mean this guy's there's like three synopsis or two of them and, and they pretty much say the whole movie so alright so right off the bat and he wasn't movie, lying about it being aged so no they, and they're, they all look really old too well you know what Moore didn't look so old no, no he looked good his fucking eyes, man. He's got these like crystal blue eyes. Richard Burton, man. He was. I think this was his last movie, and he looked. Uh, Burton drunk, looked like shit. Fucking burnout and half in the bag the entire fucking movie. And um and Harris looked really old too. Yeah. How old was he when he did this? Uh, he's pretty old, and yeah. he liked his drinky winky. Well, I read. Yes, you maybe read. it was on the Wikipedia. I read that they stopped drinking for this because they they um. As, uh, here was the quote. Uh, Lloyd initially had reservations about casting Harris because of his wild reputation and hard drinking, but reluctantly agreed to cast him as long as both Harris and Burton agreed to stop drinking for the film, having them survive on nothing but soft drinks for the duration. <laughs> so maybe it added to them being crotchety. But, Although Harris, you know, Harris I mean, wasn't, though. Shit, when, like Richard Burton was such a fucking hardcore alcoholic that it would that, that might have added to him dying. Did he, that he got he, off of it. He had like he had like uh what did he have? Lung cancer or throat cancer or yeah, something from pretty, smoking? Yeah. And uh hard life. Yeah. Well, self and self imposed hard life. Yeah, well, and you know, geez, but I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, he got to fucking screw and suck on Elizabeth Taylor's big old boobies. Oh, she was a good, she was a looker. Several different she, times. I mean how many times they were fucking married. She should have been in this. She should have been the uh, somebody that they rescued, and um, then they could have had Carl Weathers rape her. <laughs> How old? What was it? What was it? Uh, Carl, Weathers, Carl Weathers was. Uh, he looked really good this time, didn't he? Uh, this was this was like post Rocky. So yeah. Um, now, uh, what did Elizabeth Taylor look like in 1978? Well, I just was with the whole uh, Kennedy assassination thing. I was watching. Um, the documentary for the movie Winter Kills, which is on YouTube called Who Killed Winter Kills. Mm-hmm. And Rich or Elizabeth Taylor played 
they didn't say Kennedy. They changed the names, but uh, she played the basically the madam for the president who got him all these women. And when they hired her, the director said, oh, my God, Elizabeth Taylor, she's the most beautiful woman, blah, 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 blah. And when she showed up, she was really fat. So <laughs> he went to Universal or whoever it was, these cinematographers, the famous cinematographers, and they had this lens that basically – squished people in so if they were chunky it made them look skinnier and they shot her through that lens and when you watch that movie she she looks like a hot fucking milf and they when they showed the dailies the guys were like oh my god what did you do she looks fucking great well they it was like a circus mirror or whatever lens and they magic her in. Yeah. magic david blaine cinema magic cinema the, cinema, um, cinema cinema cinnamon magic cinema? <laughs> Um, so, uh, the, so the, well, the movie started off on a bad foot for me because the, I fucking hated the opening song. Oh, really? God, oh my God. God. Well, the, the, it was, it, it made it feel like a sitcom. What? Like it felt like I was getting ready to start a, mo- a, a TV show because it was doing like credits and like little like oh, corny animations and stuff. God. It wasn't good. No, that was bad. But um, oh, I, I mean, I can't. Uh, we're totally opposite on that. <laughs> I love it's Joan Armand trading. I love that fucking song. And Ugh. the whole thing was it was the the of course the map of Africa, and they were showing all these riots and stuff yeah. pictured in the the map. It felt like it felt like a TV show intro. Uh, it didn't feel like a, it didn't all. feel like a movie. Wrong, wrong. Come on, the um. Oh so, my god. But, but uh, <laughs> my first note is Richard Burton is already pissed. Maybe he'll punch this dude in the gut and butt fuck him. <laughs> yeah, he was literally pissed. He's fucking just sitting in the goddamn airport. Just, I mean, have you ever like when when you were waiting to go from Horrorhound and you had to sit in the airport that long, like twelve hours? Yeah, just having a bottle in a bag. Shit faced. Uh, yeah, he. Um, so he, the, the, as the movie opens, he's been the, Richard Burton's character, uh, Alan Faulkner, has been flown into London. He's going to be briefed on this um, mission. Now, I don't remember the dictator thing being as big a story as actually rescuing the president. Was it like because you said in the, in the in the synopsis it talks about a dictator? Okay, the dictator is. The, the 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 people are based on this is sort of based on a, the true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh you know, uh, Congo, which ends up being Zaire and everything, Katanga and all that, and uh, uh, the oh shit, what's his name in the movie? The, well, the Julius Limboni. Julius yeah. Limboni is L- the, the the good guy, and that was um. This guy who was uh, uh, one of the one of the leaders over there, uh, Deshambe. Okay, and he was basically deposed by Casavubu uh, and Mobutu. Mobutu, and so then, um, of course, then that they were working together, and they killed off. Uh, like I said about the different tribes and and things like that, and one of them's being backed by the Russians and the communists, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe uh, one of them's being backed by Western, Western interest, uh, who some of them aren't even on the same page, because you had the UN, and that's the same thing in Dark of the Sun, 
you had the UN in there who was called in by like Patrice Lumumba. Uh, and, but then you had the Western ally or the West, no, I shouldn't say allies, but us and the British and everybody, uh, going against the UN by sending mercenaries in. So who's the bad guy? Then you have like Russians involved in there and everything. But Mobutu, Mobutu uh, ended up uh, having a coup and killing off Kasavubu. And then he became the all-powerful dictator yeah. of, and changed the name to Zaire. And that's where they had the rumble in the jungle with uh, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. And this guy was a fucking piece of shit. He lived like... <laughs> God, I mean, so wealthy, it was unbelievable, and just killed so many people and all this and that and everything. So anyway, but yeah, they didn't really show well, other than the fact that the Simbas in this were his 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 guard. His, his thugs, yeah. Yeah, they they really didn't show him. The the Simbas in this movie are much better dressed than uh they have much nicer uniforms than in the previous movie because in the previous movie they're wearing like tan shirts and shorts yeah. and this one they have these cute little Well, I think also <laughs> I think they use the name Simbas in this mm-hmm. as as a uh, this is um well you know I, I I can't remember what they his name was in in this one but it was Mobutu um they use that name as his his personal guard uh, but the actual Simbas, the Simba uprising, that was more along what the the guys look like in um, the the movie we just reviewed and in Dark of the Sun. They weren't yeah, yeah, like yeah. as much a a a actual M- military like army. Yeah, more they of like, were more just, just like thugs and and tribesmen dressed, right. you know, like like that. But um, so he's uh, Burton has been flown into London because he is. Um, I guess he he has a history of being this, uh, a mercenary, and they they this rich guy. And what was this guy's name? So Edmund um, Matheson. Yeah, Matheson wants to uh, Matheson wants to hire Burton and a group to go in um, rescue this guy. But it's really all for money. Um, this is the copper stuff, right? This is the I got the I got the, I started to get the two yeah. like. Uh, conflicts confused when I watch these right in a row, but this is the one where he's really just interested in the in the, this rich yeah. banker guy in, in England is interested in the copper possibilities. Um, but um, so uh, Burton is hired on for a you know some odd amount of money. It doesn't sound like very much considering you know like I think with like you know well Expendables the movies now where they talk about like hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of dollars or whatever to get these guys to go in and do these dangerous jobs. And this one it's like. 30 grand. Yeah. Well, there were like, there were two uh, Congo crisis and they were in the early to mid 60s. Yeah. So I'm curious. Is they, this, does, they switched I this, this to, to the 70s. Just, it, it was supposed to take place sort of at the time when the movie was made. Okay. So, but I think that since they based it on uh, Mobutu and that shit, I think it was the actual events took place way earlier. But they moved it ahead in time, you know, to fit like the set more of a seventies feel. So um, as he starts to assemble his team, um, he uh, there's two men in particular that he says he has to get. One being Sean Finn, the the pilot, and uh, Sean Finn played by uh, Roger Moore, and um, 
than uh, Rafer Janders. I don't know how, I can't remember how he pronounced it, but that, that's a weird fucking name. Rafa Jandas. <laughs> Rafa Jandas. And the thing is, in the book, he was supposed to be an American. So they, <laughs> Did he still have the name Rafer Jandas? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there was a, what was his name? Rafer, uh, the guy that, he was like a world-class Olympic uh, decathlete, and he was one of Bobby Kennedy's uh, bodyguards. Uh, and I can't remember Rafer Johnson, but he was a black. Oh. He was also a black guy, though. So Rafer, yeah. Um, and um, and then you know he says he has to get these two people. Um, Rafer Johnders is uh, is Richard Harris, and then but then he kind of they kind of hold uh, really what seems to be an open audition um, for these ex military guys who generally seem to have fallen on bad luck in some way and you need money s- desperately and they come in and kind of plead their case of yeah. why i don't know where maybe it's just the uh the sergeant's um i don't know what was his name in the movie sandy yeah. but what did they give tell his last name or was that his last name sandy young yeah sandy young so he goes to Sandy, and I think Sandy was in charge of finding these guys because obviously you can't just post an ad. Well, and there was a lot of them that had worked with him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Faulkner, they knew him, you know. So yeah, so um, and and Faulkner seemed to have at one point been trained by uh, Sandy. Yeah, but you know, obviously at some point outranked him in military. Yeah, they they had they had like fought together in other conflicts, maybe like maybe at, even in. Like uh, World War Two or something like that. Yeah, I was reading that actually some of the uh, actors they used as part of the Wild Geese crew were actual uh, uh, World War Two veterans. Yeah, so. and then that Mike Hoare that I was talking about, he was the technical advisor. Okay, on, cool. on this. So the um, so first, uh, well, first we get introduced to. Uh, and to Roger Ward's character, Sean Finn. And Roger Ward always, in the movies that I've seen that aren't Bond, he still kind of plays that kind of Did you say Roger Ward? Oh, I wrote down Roger Ward. Roger Moore. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Roger Moore, um, he always plays that like roguish type character, I think. He just does it well, I guess. You know, raising one eyebrow type. Mm. Um, But uh, he's kind of nasty in this one. Yeah. (laughs) When when you were saying... uh, I think I don't. I guess we we weren't recording, but you said making the guy eat eat his bag of poisoned coke. Um, that, that was the, the one part of this movie that for me that even though I, you know that I I've seen this movie so many times that I really like it. The one part that just does not stand the test of time is that party where he goes in and they're uh. <laughs> they're playing that shitty music and they're they're all like just. Uh, just the way that like everybody's dressed and he's yeah. got the big trench coat on and stuff. It just seems like, it, Oh, he's, he, uh, Moore has this, uh, this awesome get up at one point. He's wearing this like long Brown leather coat, but it's got this giant lapel on it. that also has this fabric and then it has these giant round gold buttons <laughs> And then he's wearing this V-neck sweater, and I swear, if he wasn't wearing a shirt under it, you could fucking see the top of his belly. That's how low the V was. Nice. And then the shirt had the butterfly collar. It was ju- yeah, it was pretty crazy. He needed to be wearing big round sunglasses too, but he wasn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before they recruit him, that, that kind of sets his character. He he, since being in the military, he's just kind of resorted to. I don't know what exactly he's doing. He's kind, kind of, of running low, li- uh, like a low-level mof- uh, mob, uh, 
uh, kind of uh, running stuff for the install. Yeah. Soldier kind of guy, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but you know, by poisoning this dude, obviously he, he's <laughs> he's gonna he's ruffled some feathers. Well, and that all in the book also was also like I said. Uh, I think that that was supposed to take place in America with the mafia and all that uh, shit. I think. Okay. So I mean, well, they just um, changed some stuff around, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the uh, when when we see Richard Harris the first time is um, when he's he's you know he's talking to his son. I, th- I don't know if they ever say where he, his wife is if she's passed away. No, or she or was. Remember, she she came to the school, and the little boy said, when she came to visit, that all the other boys said she looked like a looked like a whore, and he said uh, they all laughed, and I laughed too, and until they told me what it meant. And then, <laughs> I totally missed that. Yeah, and then Richard Harris was like, you know, you and I, you, because this is a little kid. I mean, he looks like he's like maybe five years old, and he says, you know, you know that your mother is is the finest woman, blah, blah, blah. But I think she, he basically got involved with this chick and she was wild and kind of a tart. And uh, okay. they had a kid together, but then she, you know, left him. She, but he's, she just split, so he's yeah. taking care of the kid. Yeah. He looks a little too old to have a five-year-old, yeah. but, you know. But, I mean, his fucking hairline starts about a foot away from his eyebrow. I mean, not his hairline, his part <laughs> starts about <laughs> a foot away from his from his eyebrows. But I, I, I do think, I know that... Um, because when the, when they are interviewing the for for the guys to go with them, uh, mm-hmm. and some of these guys are saying their age, and they're like forty three, and I'm like forty three. That motherfucker looked like he was close to goddamn sixty, and there were several people like that, and and and, and that's one critique that I have heard through the years about this movie was is that you know they cast Burton, they cast Richard Harris, and some of these guys. And they did look old, uh, mm-hmm. or they didn't look old. They were old, uh, and maybe like ten years, or or maybe a little bit more than what their character should have been. And that Andrew Andrew McLaughlin, who is uh, um, oh Victor McLaughlin from uh, The Quiet Man, and uh, oh the the she wore a yellow ribbon in Fort Apache. That was one of John Wayne's buddies. Uh, and the informer, he won an Oscar for the informer. That's his son, is who directed this. And he also directed one called, I think, Sea Wolves. And it was sort mm-hmm. of the same concept. Had Gregory Peck, David Niven, and I think Roger Moore. And they were also like this this old uh, old veterans from like World War One that they banded together to blow up something in World War Two, but they were like, Old codgers, kind of like what? What's one of the like er, movies here recently where they have the old guys, you know, make a team of old guys? Maybe like the Expendables or something like that, you know? Yeah, the um, you know, and 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 talking about Roger uh, Roger Moore, the um, seeing him in this because I've never been much of a Bond guy at all, right? Um, but seeing I, I seeing him in this and um, in the movie he was in with. Um, I think I saw it on Netflix. See, with Stacy Keach, Street People, mm-hmm. it's made me like have a different appreciation for him. I, th- I you know, I, I I like him as an actor, and I'd like to see more of his non-Bond stuff because yeah. he's, I mean, he became James Bond. Yeah. You know, he was even, in a good even, one with uh, Lee Marvin too, like uh, Ray's, not Ray's Hell or something like that. But it was kind of a old military 
guys, and of course right. Steve Harvey's drunk in the whole thing. And- <laughs> okay, Burton uh, was born in twenty five. So he was fifty three. God, he looked um, he looked sixty three or old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Moore was born in twenty seven. God, he so looked he was, good. He was fifty one, and then Harris was the youngest one. You would th- he was to born me, in thirty. I would think that uh, Richard Burton in this movie was ten to fifteen years older than Roger Moore. Oh yeah. Oh, that, maybe even Jesus Christ, maybe even close to twenty years older than Roger Moore. I can't believe that they Moore, were that close in age. I thought Roger Moore would be would have been younger by judge, judging by this movie. Oh, he had yeah. some lines on his face, but uh, looked very spry. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd say forties definitely, but he was fifty, like yeah. right at fifty, fifty one. And Harris was the youngest one of the three. Harris was Harris was forty nine. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Fucking I, I, okay now. Well, I was gonna say I'm only a few years old, younger. Than, you look a lot younger than fucking even Harris did in this movie. So. I don't know. Um, anyway, the uh, <laughs> so uh, Burton shows up at uh, Harris's place where Harris has just had a conversation with his son, like surprising him. They're gonna the go to have a little fucking uh, puss wedding here. I don't know. I don't know what's little <laughs> Hooray, puss. Daddy! We're going skiing. Yeah, um, I don't know who was worse, him or the little kid in Shane. Shane, <laughs> promise you teach me how to shoot. <laughs> Shane, but it does kind of pay off, uh, you know, because he was just a little kid, and and, yeah. and Harris even kind of says, you know, I know my kid's kind of a little puss, but you know, it's just expensive <laughs> English upbringing. <laughs> they don't export it. <laughs> so uh, Burton shows up at Harris's place, and he's trying to convince him because Harris's job. So I guess. Um, Burton is the he's the leader type. He's the run at the, the running at the front of the line guy. Um, Harris is the planner. The yeah he pl- he he looks at the maps. He figures out which angles they're going to take, where they're going to go in, how they're going to get out. Um, uh, and the uh, and Finn uh, Roger Moore is the pilot. He, he can fly yeah. pretty much anything. That's his thing. He's going to get them out. He's going to drive them, fly them, whatever he needs to do. That's that's why we need that core of three. He's gonna um, fuck, fuck. He's gonna fly, drive, or fuck their way out of there. Yeah. He was um, a whoremonger, but he knew how. To, even if he was with a whore, he treated her good. You know. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was a funny line that the uh, that Sandy gives him when he uh, he's they're practicing jumping the the parachutes. Um, <laughs> he <had many laughs> he's like, "You're jumping from an airplane, not a whorehouse window." Oh um, my god. But uh, so um, uh, Burton is at uh, Harris's house trying to basically uh, sway him into doing it's going to be a one last job thing, obviously. But, you know, and and Harris is given the speech. I'm too old. But it's interesting because he says, you know, he's he doesn't agree with the politics of the whole thing. Like he's out of that. Like he's not he's not fighting for any cause anymore. And um, but uh, I don't know if they have some history with the Lombani guy. But uh, you know, Burton's bringing him up, saying, "You know, you do care it about this like guy." It seems like it, so. but he he seemed like he kind of got cynical because they he had he was the guy that always cared, uh, like if they were fighting on the good side or the bad side. And like Burton says, he goes, "I never even gave a shit as long as I got paid." And but he his statement was how many times that he thought he was fighting for 
the the good guy, and then the guy turns it turns out to be a piece of shit as soon as he gets in office. And yeah, yeah, and that so and he then, was just really kind of cynical and burnout about it. Plus, he had a little kid, and he's thinking, you know, hey, you know, I don't want to go over and do this shit. Yeah, and then well, then uh, on the same on the same page, you have the the Kruger character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of the he ends up being the I guess the fourth. I mean, on the poster, he's the one. Uh, Har, uh, Hardy Kruger. Kruger. Okay, his name is Hardy Kruger. He played. I thought his name uh, was Kruger in the movie. No, it's um, um, Peter Kotsia. Uh, oh, okay, I thought it was. I thought I could have sworn they called him Kruger in the movie. That's weird. I don't think so. If they did, um, it was a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just was. Maybe I just like saw, read his name and just like I'd, whenever I'd see him, I'd just associate it. But um, he comes. He, he's on the poster, but he ends up being the fourth. Like. Um, voice in the uh, you know he's not as he's not as faceless as most of the wild geese crew right um, and uh, you know on that same page with the you know talking about what you're killing for your politics or whatever you know there's there's an interesting scene kind of halfway through where he's arguing with them over you know once this is done you know why, why are, you know you're killing people for so and so reason so and so reason i just need money so i can go get on my farm and forget all this basically like i this i don't have any you know what my morals are this is a job and i'm done with it after kind of this and you you guys yeah. are doing this politically motivated blah 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 so um he had a couple of good um good um uh, you know little i don't know if i'd say soliloquies but that one right there and then later on, with the, under the the tree thing with um, Limboni, oh. but we'll get to that later. But I mean, I, you know, so uh, the only th- the only thing I really remember Hardy Krueger in, I remember him being in maybe some World War II movies where he was, of course, the German, but also this John Wayne movie Hatari, and he played, you know, that was like a a uh, not a safari thing because they weren't killing the animals; they were just capturing them uh, and shit like that for. I guess well, I think, and I, think stuff. I think Armin in the group was saying that uh, he always played Nazis in movies, so maybe he's well. I think at them. one time he was. See, he was very young uh, when World War II was winding up, or something like that. But for some reason, I'm thinking he was actually in like maybe the Hitler Youth or something like that. Maybe yeah, that's what he, he said. He said, uh, at, at 13 years, German-born and raised, became a member of the Hitler Youth. But, but I mean, that was like mandatory. Yeah, he was 13, so. Yeah. Um, He's still alive. So, yeah, he was born in 28. He was just as old as those guys. He's 85 years old. Um, so, uh, the, I really, really like that oh, Flight scene. Of the, he was in Flight of the Phoenix. Looks like he was in Barry Lyndon, too. Yeah. Um, but I, really, Richard Harris is really fucking good in that scene. Um, where he's yelling at Burton in, in his living room and stuff. And yeah, they then, have good chemistry. You could yeah, see, uh, you could you could believe that they were like old time friends, and they probably were. You know, yeah, life, so. and uh, <laughs> I laughed when Maybe. he it kind of it almost broke the tension, but and it, it it was unintentional. But when he puts on his glasses to look at the map, his fucking glasses are so huge. Big ass glasses. <laughs> yeah. Look like two fucking television screens in front of his face. Uh, <laughs> I, I like how they did that though, where. Um, he uh, Burton knew him so well. He yeah. said, "Okay, if you don't want to go, that's fine. But uh, why don't you just at least take a look at this map and and Tell show me how me to how, get in here, how, yeah. how I should do this?" And as soon as he took the map out, he knew that that Rayford Jander's his his that he 
it's almost like a big game, not a game, but I mean, he knew that he had him. Right. Yeah. Um, he got it. He so, piqued his interest. So we get we get uh, the introduction of Sandy, who is kind of the drill sergeant guy, and um, Burton kind of puts him on the task of of r- rounding up some guys to go on this mission. How's everything um, going? The rose bushes <laughs> are uh, whipping into shape nicely, sir. That was really funny when the when the the wife is pissed because she 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 recognizes Burton and apparently she's taken Sandy. She does not he's like taken that. <laughs> he's taken Sandy away before, yeah. and the wife is pissed, yelling. She goes back inside, and I love how plainly Burton just says, "There'll be some crying now, won't there?" <laughs> yeah, she'll get over it, you know. But I'll tell you what, you know, there was some there was some uh, man love going on between Sandy and uh, fucking Dick Burton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the char- I mean Faulkner, the character. Maybe the st- maybe the stomach punches were for the were for the two of them. <laughs> the um, apparently in the book, Sandy uh, was such an asshole when he trains people that several of the guys tried to kill him during training, and he nice. apparently was so tough and so good that he just either uh, killed him or beat the shit out of him. Because that's the thing, like. Uh, in the regular army, you know, when they're training you and you do this or that, you know, when and they're the mercenary guys or whatever, that's like when uh, uh, Peter says the thing about, you know, I'm I'm fighting to get back to, you know, uh, to to my homeland and to start a farm, and you're fighting to impose your your uh, ideals on the rest of the world. How does that? St- how do we stack up morally? And yeah. they said, you know. He's either with us. Once he leaves, he says he's either with us or he's against us. If he's against us, he's dead. And that's like when they were training. Sandy tells him at the beginning. He says, "You know, there's no queen's regulations here. You do what I tell you, or I'll fucking kill you." Yeah, and he, he's um, pretty colorful. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I wrote down like six of his lines. I think, but he was he was funny. The um, uh, they go and they, they go into kind of. It really ends up being more of like a military extraction, but they get they're, they're, they 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 figure out where um, uh, Moore is, where Finn is. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so they got to go get him out. Um, I was on board already from Richard Harris and Burton talking in his house. Mm-hmm. What really got me on board was this fucking scene because I thought it was so awesome because Moore is almost oblivious. He has no idea that he's fucking pissed off this basically the mob and they're just going to come up any minute. They're all like waiting outside and looking in his bedroom window. He's staying in this shitty hotel or whatever, kind of casino hotel yeah. thing. And they, they go in to basically get him out at the same time these mafia guys are coming in to take care. When fucking Harris... Grenade punches. Yeah, that was so awesome. Badass. He's like, they went to the wrong door, and he's like, smash, and just drops a grenade in the hallway. Oh my god, that he was has so a cool. In his hand, <laughs> he a fist with the grenade and punches through this wood door and just drops it. Oh, that was amazing. So and that, yeah, that was the it, it fucked up that poor guy's hotel. Like there was a huge hole in the floor and everything. I like when they came in and uh, he's like. Uh, and he's like idiot, and then and then uh, Rafe comes and goes. Rafe goes clown. <laughs> Everybody's calling me names. Uh, yeah, he was just a he was a cad. More more is really funny in this too. So, um, but the uh, the but the the training sequence, the 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 boot camp. Um, well, I, there's some funny stuff that happens where as there are they are um kind of recruiting these or auditioning these guys. And really, 
I don't know if they know most of them, but usually it's just like, you know, who are you? How old are you? And why are you qualified for this? Um, but everybody always has different reasons or whatnot. Um, I really like the, 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 the one black guy that was in there. I don't remember his name, but just. he had this huge Afro and he couldn't afford a haircut, but man, he had that thing sheened up like crazy. It was sparkling, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he needed to borrow, he needed an advance on his money because his hairdresser like charged by the inch to cut off, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty funny. And then, and, uh, um, the one guy, his, his, uh, the person he was cared about charged by the inch in a different way. Yeah. Witty, Witty. Arthur. Witty was funny too because he's like, uh, you know, how long do I have enough time to get a divorce? And this is how they introduce. He he already seemed like he might be homosexual. It's very effeminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when they said, "Do I have time to get a divorce, sir?" He's like, "36 hours." He's like, "Lovely. I can't wait to see his face." And <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> "But now, do you think that that was?" Ex- uh, like a horrible stereotype. It was a little stereotypical, but it was it was it was a it was benign stereotypical. And he it wasn't, said he was forty three years old. Now, <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. not look forty three years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, I'm thirty seven, and he looked like my dad. <laughs> See if I can find witty, witty, witty Kenneth Griffith, Kenneth Griffith, my dears. Kenneth Griffith, I'll, I, it's loading. Um, he was born so, in 1921. He was the oldest fucking one in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he said he was 43. He would have been fifth. He would have been almost 60. Jesus Christ! And um, that guy Jock said he was 40. 40 well, he, they, they caught him. They caught him in a lie because he was trying to remember well, his because, birthday. Yeah, he things. said, but the, he goes, "Come on, Jock, how old are, how old are you?" He said, 47, son, but I'm in top shape or something like that." Now, how old was this fire? He was born in 1930. Okay, he was he was Harris's age. He still was not forty-seven. <laughs> um, but he did look like a boxer. His face was kind of, you know, nose kind of bashed up and stuff. But where where I what, the, the the thing I appreciated a lot about uh, the witty character is it was unexpected how they handled his interactions with. Everybody, it was a little, it was a little obtuse at times when he would make like ass jokes and stuff. But everybody still respected him. Like everybody, kind of like nobody. Like this character would have been done a lot differently had this. If it was a mirror, if it was an American movie, they would fucking like hate his guts. But I think, yeah, even. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not from from England or from Europe, but I think it's more accept at that time more acceptable than it would yeah. be over here. And they were just like, "Come on, Queenie!" You know, when when uh, they were going to go, uh, let him go out for one last night, and they were like, "Come on, Queenie, we, we'll find someone for you too." And it's like, "Oh, that's okay, boys." You know, but I mean, that's they didn't like hate him or beat him up or anything no. like that. And everybody just laughed when he made the like yeah. he's going to get a divorce joke or the or the you know this is to the dearest kindest proctologist in all the world and the guy's like what's that he's like it's a bum doctor to you chubby cheeks chubby cheeks <laughs> <laughs> but now um, you did have um, well you did have Sandy that's the line I wrote down when uh, Witty falls down and Sandy comes up and kicks him in the side he's like you screaming faggot get up before I sew you up your asshole I was like ooh yikes <laughs> that was a uh, that was a little rough. <laughs> I made him get up. <laughs> he did get up. Then the other guy, he like shot a hole in the in the in the in the ground right next to his head, and that guy got up real quick too. You can't have one of these um, 
uh, African or Congo mercenary movies without showing, which they do in this movie, uh, that uh, have some kind of interaction between a black African and a, and a white Afrikaner, which oh, yeah. is, which is uh, Peter and uh, Jesse. Or and that, not only Jesse, not as much Jesse, who was a soldier, but... Uh, it's more Peter and Lim- uh, Lim- Limbani. Because um, but Peter's he's, Peter's more a, a, it's like a matter of factly because he even says you know um, I don't like killing Negroes but he still looks at them as second class kind of down he looks down on them yeah he's not like like one of these guys like yeah let's go kill some of these black you know Kaffirs yeah 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 and they well he calls them that a lot of the movie yeah and but it's it's interesting because. His primary job is to fucking like carry around the body on his yeah, back. Yeah, and, and they, I mean, they specifically, you know, yeah, I mean, throw yeah, yeah. those two together for that reason, you know, which it worked, you know, because yeah, they kind of and I, and I really like, I really like where that went. Uh, that was that was a really yeah, like I, I love that scene with the two of them. That was that was good, but um, uh, thing that yeah, that was really good. There, there was more music I didn't dig. There was like this private Benjamin sounding music as they were parachuting in. <laughs> It's very generic, like it's very happy. Sixty-year-old guys fucking jumping out of the air. I don't remember who the which character had it, but the the crossbow was pretty cool. His fucking his fucking crossbow bolts looked like looked like missiles, but they instead of like being poison tipped, they had entire vials of poison. Um, but. You know they 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 get into this uh, this camp. Um, it's pretty brutal. They um, they just kind of gas everybody that's sleeping with cyanide gas. Um, but uh, they get they get Lombani out, and then at this point, that's when the the double cross happens. Well, like the whole and, thing about the cyanide gas. The one guy goes that was um, he was some kind of military advisor. And they show him the plan, and they said it was whether, you know, he was the last word, the guy with the beard that worked for Matheson. And he goes, uh, it's probably some American CIA guy or something, or American military guy. And he says, you know, he looks over their plan, and uh, when they said about uh, using the cyanide gas on the guy sleeping in the barracks, he goes, the one guy goes, the UN will go mad. And the thing that gets me about that is, it's like, what's the difference between. Would you rather us have have us go? Would it be better to go in and slash them all in their throats, or <laughs> yeah. shoot them all? They're dead there's a lot of che- there's a lot of chest stabbings too. Yeah. So, oh, and then one guy I won't say who, but one guy gets fucking hacked with machetes. Which ha- and yeah. uh, God, he screams for like fucking. No, they a really whole play minute. up the whole thing about this the uh, the Simba's. You know, uh, you that you don't want to get caught because they will torture you. They will cut you to pieces. Which so, which helps which helps build a, 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 a like a important scene. It, later it almost too. like builds up a monster like a fear uh, because the, the way they portray the Simbas, you know, you don't see any of them really talking. You don't see any of them doing anything. They are just all. It's like a an old western where the Indians are just these yeah, mindless or, or, or a fucking uh, zombie movie. Zombie-like pouring, yeah, monsters yeah. that just keep pouring in. You don't, uh, you know, none of them are shown as human beings. They're just shown as these guys with these big machetes. And yeah. if, if you get caught, you know, they're going to hack you to pieces. You know. 
and they're told that, so they're like, fuck, fuck, look at that. <laughs> so other than the cyanide gas being kind of brutal, I mean, really, it's it's the second half of the movie that really starts the the action side of it. Um, I mean, it's I mean, there's a fucking like you know truck explosions and uh, well, guys. The on bridge with the truck, the one, the the it was it was pretty brutal. But one thing that really kind of stuck with me was um, that when the, the you know the guys were wounded, mm-hmm. and um, they basically kind of decide without saying that they have to, you know, we can't leave him behind, so they're going to have to can't leave him behind for the Simbas, yeah, and 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 you know. Burton says Faulkner says you know uh, you know any volunteers and they all look at him like you know are you fucking you know fuck you or something like that and and he understands that he is the leader and he can't really ask someone to do that so he does it but you can see that it really you know affects him because these are just these you know either guys that he knew or some young guys and stuff like that and the, the one guy I mean, he's still alive I mean he's looking yeah. right at him and yeah. to have to do that but I mean it's kind of like uh, I hate to say it, put it in these things, but like if you had to put your dog down or something like that, yeah, and that you yeah. know you don't want him to suffer or ha- suffer any worse, but it's like the the horrors of war kind of a deal, you know? yeah. And the um, so the, the generally after the double cross, they they had the whole plan to they were they were going to rescue Limbana, they were going to carry him to um this airport where a plane was going to come in and, and pull them out. And, and when, when it started to happen, I'm like, something bad has to fucking happen. I was like, I was into yeah, it at this or point. It's over. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the hell are they going to do for another hour? Oh, okay. Ah! So the, yeah. So they get double crossed, the plane leaves and then that starts the second half of the movie. You know, Whereas then I hate to keep, you know, just throwing stuff about, the, about, about the book, but, um, they, uh, if I remember, because I haven't read it in a long time, I don't think there wasn't a double cross. The mm-hmm. plane was landing, and the Simbas showed up and just started shooting the shit out of the plane, and the guy just took off. So they were just uh, fucking stuck. You know, but mm-hmm. it, it works how they do it. I mean, it works really yeah. well. Yeah. Because the, they're just um, like, especially the guys on the runway, and they're like, yeah, here they come. And then they're like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it just sinks in. You're like, okay, we're here. In the middle of fucking nowhere, with nowhere to go, and we got this horde of these fuckers coming after us. And now, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> Luckily, they have like jeeps and trucks, at least at first. So, but they, um, you know, at this point, they have um, the 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 mission is now to get the hell out of where they are now Surprise, without time. Yeah, yeah. So the second half of the movie is really their trek across, which you know takes it back to the you know seven red berets same kind of thing where they have to trek after they after they rescue whatever they're there to rescue they now have the arduous task of actually walking or driving or whatever a very long distance over pretty inhospitable terrain with just the sea of humanity that's always going to be <laughs> shooting at them or throwing grenades at them or whatever um there's some uh interesting stuff at a in a village with a priest um, he was kind of funny and kind of a, an asshole. <laughs> yeah, one. he doesn't want these mercenaries there. He's kind of tired of this, uh, you know, people just dying left and right. And um, he obviously knew who Faulkner was because he, yeah, he he heard his name. He basically even for a priest, kind of told him, 
to fuck off and he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and his, you know, his, his inspiration to help them is to get them the fuck out of there too. Like, I don't want you around here anymore. I, you know, I've got time to discuss my finer qualities with you. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) that's really largely the second half of the movie other than resolving the storyline of the double cross, which I won't get into for spoilers, but there's a couple scenes that happen in the second half that are just really like, I got, you know, you you, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like the, the scene that I mentioned, uh, well, I didn't like the the machete scene was 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 that then the the scene with two guys that weren't seeing eye to eye, um, and then the oof the last one you know. The, and now with I'm not going to give anything away, but I will say the ending of the book mm-hmm. was different, and I'll tell you off the air because okay. if, if I tell you even how it's different, it will give away what happens in the movie. But it's it's vastly different. Uh, Better or worse or just different? Uh, I wouldn't say... Well, I, I'll tell you, the movie, I think, with the ad, adding of the Double Cross and the resolution of that, to me, I really like that. But um, I'll just tell you. Okay. Well, you can, you can go ahead and fill in some notes here, too. Uh, <laughs> I like I said I I, uh, I like the uh, a couple of key scenes that I really like I like when um, um well first of all they show a brief flashback uh, Faulkner was hired before to um, get uh, to to rest to rescue or to uh, extradite. Limbani, mm-hmm. and um, uh, two years before, and they show a, f- a quick flashback uh, where when he's talking to Sir Edward Matheson uh, at his quarters, and he's like, um, uh, "What should I call you, Sir Edward?" And he's like, "You do." And it's Stuart Granger, who is excellent at that fucking part, because he's so <laughs> stuffy, you know. And he's like, "Feel free with my whiskey," and he's like. Thank you. I will. You know, he drinks, he, he drinks this huge fucking. It wasn't even a shot. It was just like this giant fucking glass of of straight a tumbler bourbon. And yeah, and he just fucking just wolfs it down. It's like another, um, but, <laughs> another. Yeah, they show um, how um, Limbani gets uh, kidnapped by another group. Mm-hmm. Faulkner was supposed to. To uh, to meet him at this airport and take him and hand him over to whoever uh, uh, somebody else, and it was kind of, it was particularly brutal how they got rid of Limbani's bodyguard, you know, through the back of the uh, the airplane seat, you know, just basically right. run him through with this. I don't know if it was poison or what. And it's like fuck, uh, like a stick right, right, right in the kidney. Yeah, and um, uh, but. Um, I love the part about you know with like you said with Harris punching the the goddamn hole through the thing. <laughs> so good. Um, but um, one of the scenes that I really liked was when um, Harris brought um, the Christmas present because they were supposed to go and do this whole thing uh, at this certain date, and then it got moved. And especially, you know, I think Peter, when they were telling him, they said it's been, it's been moved forward or something like that. And he goes, my God, it, that's Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and then you see, that's the one thing that I liked about Harris 
the whole thing with Harris and his little kid. Uh, I liked the scene where he takes the Christmas presents to the boarding school uh, yeah. and ta- has the talk with the little kid and the little kid's reaction, which just breaks your fucking heart because he's yeah. like, you know, well, we can have and, – and the, the little kid's just, just basically destroyed. He's – you know, because he doesn't understand, and I'm not sure I understand why if you have a little kid like that <laughs> that you would do something like that. I liked another scene that shows the camaraderie between Harris and – um, uh, or Rafer and Faulkner is when the training is basically over and they're getting ready to go on the thing. The all the guys they they say, well, you guys can go into town, get some pussy, get drunk, blah blah blah, one last time. And Harris and uh, <coughs> Ray, or Rafer and Faulkner are walking, and they just kind of have their they're worn out because you can imagine going through like this basic training thing when you're young, and these guys are alcoholics, they're old. Even if they were supposed to be in their 40s or 50s or whatever and having to go through this, you know, how it just would make you fucking – you'd be a wreck. And uh, But they, they're like walking together, and Harris tells him, you know, if something happens to me, I want you to take care of my kid. And that was kind of like, you know – it was just kind of a touching thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, – I'm trying to think of <laughs> – there's so many – like I said, uh, with uh, the Sandy, uh, the when they oh, you know what? What? Fit, uh, Frank Finley was the priest in this movie. He was also in the other uh, Richard Harris movie we did, uh, the Molly Maguires. I was just looking at that. Sorry to interrupt. He was good. I mean, he was excellent. I mean, he was yeah. a crotchety old fucking tough old priest or whatever. But uh, did he, I'm gonna see who he played in Molly Maguires. Dave, Dave oh, he was the, he was he was the, the this one cop that uh, would like crack Richard Harris over the head to make it look good, and then yep. Richard Harris was actually working for him. He was one of the he was one of the the uh, the, the cops that uh, Harris cool. was working undercover for. Um, I the, they built up this camaraderie between these guys, especially Sandy and Faulkner, Rafer and Faulkner. And then later on with um, two of the guys that had opposing views and end up, you know, but they yeah. build up this kind of, it's, you know, it's a kind of a brotherhood kind of a thing and a brothers in arms and this and that. And even though, you know, uh, but when the shit goes down and things happen to certain people, because they have built it up so well before that they, this guy actually cares about this guy. This guy has a, a this friendship that's went on forever. Uh, this guy has a child and stuff like that. And then when certain things happen, it really fucking pulls at you. I mean, you're like, fuck, you know, and it makes you feel you're like, oh my God, you know, what if this, you know, happens or whatever to you or whatever. And um, the. I, like I said, I, the, the whole thing with Rafer and his kid plays out in several different scenes that really just wrench at your heart. Um, now, one thing I have to say about this movie is, and I've talked to a few people on like GGTMC group and some of our friends and stuff that um, did not like this movie and for the reason that it was considered kind of a racist white fantasy 
And mm. the name of the book before it was retitled The Wild Geese was The Thin White Line. <laughs> and when you are, you know, looking, okay, first of all, um, depending on your perspective, um, living in Africa, live, first uh-huh. of all, living uh-huh. in South Africa uh, under an apartheid regime, uh, living in, during those times where you're being oppressed by, say, um, outside interest, outside influ- influences from the West, it, it would be like Cuba where uh, Castro and Che Guevara and these guys go down and they say, okay, you have so many of these Western interests with the casinos and, and say, uh, fruit plantations, tobacco and stuff like that, but they're all being run and all the money is being sent out of the country by Western interests. So we're going to go over and this is our homeland. We're going to start a revolution. We're going to take over. And then they send these fucking mercenaries in and say, you know, okay, we're going to put this fucking thing down. You know, and they're saying, well, you know, you guys are being funded by communists and maybe they weren't and shit like that. So, and like. It was weird that they put a. Uh, instead of having like a Russian communist in there, it was weird that they had that Cuban guy. Well, there were. See, Che uh, Guevara, who was like, you know, Castro's right hand man, actually went to the Congo at one time and was involved in trying to. Um, bring in a a, a communist or a rev- basically a world. They wanted to. He his thing was to start a worldwide revolution. Workers and and just regular people and you know them kicking out you know all these rich assholes that are raping and pillaging your land and taking all your your natural resources and everything like that. So he went there. And we had um, actually, like, you know, fucking Green Berets and stuff like that that went over there trying to fucking, like, uh, counter uh, revolution shit, plus trying to kill him, which they eventually did down in Bolivia, I think, in South America when he was trying to do this. He left the Congo and then went to, like, uh, Bolivia, and we caught up with him down there. But their whole thing was he was going, trying to start. What was considered, you know, communist revolution? Of course, we're anti-communist because, you know, we don't want anybody to try and better themselves. We have to protect our interests, corporate yeah. interests. So, um, yeah, he was actually in the Congo. So there were Cubans in in the fucking Congo, and there were, you know, there were there were some of them there that were fighting and shit too. So that was pretty accurate, you know, actually having them there. Um, but I. My thing was when I look at this movie, that's like when we, when we were talking about uh, Fu Manchu or de- uh, you know do- uh, Mr. Wong or Detective Wong with Boris Karloff and stuff and the Yellow Apparel, where some people are going to see these movies and say you know this is bullshit or a John Wayne movie where someone who might be a um, a um, Native American might say that's all fucking bullshit blah 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 blah. I, I'm looking at this movie as entertainment. Uh, yeah, and as just a, a, a war story, uh, like I said, camaraderie, friendship, uh, action, and everything. Now, I I will say, you know, they do portray um, 
all the bad guys as faceless name. It's like the, the movie The Green Berets that John Wayne did. Everybody that was that was either Viet Cong or North Vietnamese never said a word. They were nameless, faceless, and cannon fodder or the like you said, like zombies in a zombie movie. So when you're looking at it for accuracy like that, yeah, it's not accurate. I mean, uh, there's two sides to every story. And when you're showing these people from that point of view, but you're seeing them from this is a one-sided point of view, and you're seeing them how Rafer, Faulkner, Peter, and and all these guys are seeing them. They've yeah. heard how bad they are. They fought them before, so they know how bad they are. And so you know they're not showing you know cutting to a scene where they're showing these guys in their camp and they're saying you know these rich fucking westerners are paying these thugs to come in here and kill us and do this and do that because basically what they wanted to do was get Limboni and then bring him back start a coup d'etat and put him in place kill off Mobutu or whoever it was the, the name of the movie in the movie but kill him off and put him because Limboni was for the Western interests. He was, uh, or to Shambay in real life, he was for whether it was America, Belgium, British, whatever. He was the guy that was saying, "Yeah, you know, we we don't need to go towards uh, having the Soviets in here, or uh, not even only that, but like I said, um, when Mobutu got in there." Uh, you know, he just became a brutal dictator. So it wasn't as much, you know, that he was communist as it was right. he was just a piece of shit. <laughs> so you know, but but our our perspective and and our um, propaganda would say Patrice Lumumba was a communist. Casavuvu uh, uh, wouldn't work with us. Uh, Mobutu wouldn't work with us. So they must be fucking. You know, we had to demonize them. Until they would say, "Okay, yeah, hell, we'll let you guys in here. It just you know, don't come in and try and kill us too, or whatever." So there's, I can see where people might look at this movie and say it's a it's a white man's wet dream perspective, white man comic book kind of a hero like thing. But I liked it. I don't give a fuck. And there were this was a <laughs> franchise fucking movie because there were three wild geese movies. Richard Burton was supposed to play Alan Faulkner in the Wild Geese Part 2, and he died. So they couldn't have that. So they had um, – oh, was it Richard Fox that was the, the guy that played uh, the Jackal in Day of the Jackal? Edward Fox, I'm sorry. He plays – and of course, they, all, they already had it financed and everything, and we're going to shoot it. Burton died. So they had um, – Edward Fox, who played the Jackal in Day of the Jackal, come in, and he played Alex Faulkner, who was supposedly Alan Faulkner's brother. So he basically plays the same part, but he's and Scott Glenn is the main star, Barbara Carrera. But now this movie and Lawrence Olivier was in it. This movie it was a smaller uh, idea. It was a rescue mission deal, but it was uh, the real life Nazi Rudolf Hess, who was Hitler's right-hand man who during World War II decided to fly a plane on his own to England to try and negotiate a peace, and they shot him down, and they fucking put him in prison. And he was in prison, fuck, I mean, in uh, Spandau Prison for 
he wasn't doing ballet either. Um, he was in Spandau Prison until he was like 97 years old. But I can't remember what the concept was, but they were going to break Rudolf Hess out of Spandau Prison. It's not a bad movie. It's not, I mean, like anything great. And then the third one, like I... I, I the third one? Jesus. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine was in that and Lee Van Cleef. But I can't remember if oh, I. Oh God! If that happened, in, if that happened in the late '80s, they were fucking old as hell. Yeah, <laughs> they were old as shit. I don't even think I ever saw it, but I, I, it was pretty bad from what I remember everybody saying. So anyway, like I said, this movie was so popular that they actually, you know, they there was Made two other movies. movies. They weren't like big budget. I think that if they could have gotten, if Burton would have lived. And they would have made a second one. It probably would have been a lot different, and probably yeah. would have had a bigger budget. Because I think this one, I think the success of this, I think it was successful when it, when it first came out. But I think most of its success, they ran it on WTBS like all the time. Because I watched it a shitload of time, <laughs> uh, and I think like HBO and and places like that ran it quite a bit. Uh-huh. So it was a it was ten million dollar budget. I don't know if I don't see where it says how much it made. It made four million, almost five million in Sweden alone. So, <laughs> I'd say they probably made their money back. Then. Yeah. Um, and well, they just put out the anniversary edition uh, uh, blue, like I think. I don't know if it's Blu-ray or whatever, but it's got a lot of extras. It's got uh, like commentary and a uh, thing where they show all the guys showing up at the premiere, which is pretty cool. Or it's on, or on instant if you just want to yeah. play along the easy way. Uh, we can get our ratings of it here. Uh, really, really, my only thing with the movie and it's, it's usually music it's, in the beginning. Well, the music, <laughs> but the um, it, it's just a little long. Other than that. I mean, it's, it's it's over two hours long, and if this could have been an hour fifty, yeah. it'd been fine. I think it's a macho fucking movie. Yeah, the it's, dude it's, movie. With with especially with Ward, because of my anti James Bond slant, I thought this was going to be sillier than it ended up yeah. being. Um, but I really appreciated what they did with him and with everybody. Um, Harris was the all star for me. I really like him through the whole thing. Um, but I give this an eight out of ten. I really liked it a lot. <laughs> Okay, do you have your IMDb up? Yeah. What the fuck? Pronounce that title on that uh, that poster. Which poster? Villain Han Het. Wait, what? What am I looking at? I, oh, vi- oh, oh, <laughs> the Wild Geese poster. I just noticed that. Um, Han Het. Vili Han Het. Maybe that's the Swedish one. Out there can tell us, uh, like, if Dolph Lundgren's listening, let us know what the fuck that's. Uh, <laughs> it's this country, UK, Switzerland. So anyway, but anyway, um, I didn't even look at like, much of it. I think we probably went over so much of the shit anyway. Uh, during Finn and Coetzee's first meeting in the pub, the volume of beer in their glasses increases and decreases between shots. <laughs> There's probably some good shit in there. But anyway, I, I didn't really look over it. Um, I have watched this movie so many times that I really didn't even have to watch it uh, <laughs> before we did the show because I can almost – I could run this movie in my head from beginning to end and not miss in one scene and probably quote a great, greater majority of the dialogue that's the memorable dialogue. You have a lot better memory than I do also. Uh, but I've just seen it so much. I mean since, since it, when it, it, when it came out in like 78, I'm pretty sure I saw it. And I guarantee you, I have seen this movie, and no joke, 
from 1978 to 2013 at least 50 times, if not <laughs> if not more. So anyway, um, I would give this movie. Like I said, for me, the only thing that doesn't hold up for the, this the is for me is is when Roger Moore shows up at that swinging weirdo party, <laughs> uh, and um, I don't know the way the girls are dressed, the way he's dressed. Uh, it looks <laughs> it looks like mid seventies, and it's not a good look, and and it looks like shit. Uh, but everything else, when you're in, when it's just combat and you're in uniform and everything, and even before that, uh, <laughs> I look when they go and get the mafia guy, and he's like, "You got me out of bed," blah 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 blah. <laughs> and they're like, "You know, we want you to lift the contract on Sean Finn. Killed my brother's son. Yeah, but your brother's son wasn't that great." <laughs> so, but I think that, like I said, I think that scene was supposed to take place in America, and it was supposed to be because it, it seemed ridiculous to me when I saw the movie that they had this American mafia guy in England. You know, it's like why mm-hmm, would he mm-hmm. be over there? You know, I mean, you had you have enough British uh, fucking organized crime guys. So anyway, but I let's see. For me personally, and this is nostalgia, plus just watching it today, I still fucking love it. Uh, I give it a nine. Yeah. You, in an unprecedented move, you have rated both movies this week higher than me. There you go. And I like the song and the beginning. Yeah. Let's take a break. Oh, man, I stink today. Jesus whiz. Uh Wow. Let's take a break and come back and do a little bit of feed sack. I think we got a, uh, we might have gotten a karaoke entry. I think uh, uh, Joe Joseph was gonna in, uh, do one. I don't know if he did, but we did, we got one. We got one at least. So. All right, we'll I right told back. everybody probably, you know, you have every have your shit in the the last ones in by like I'd say the the week, like Christmas or something like that. Yeah, we'll 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 end it in a couple yeah. weeks. So all right, yeah. we'll take a break. We'll that be that right way. Back. We can send somebody something for Christmas. Yeah. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. You woke up with a cock in your mouth. Would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected. <laughs> to look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right Character arm. Character from an old that. Disney film. It's the prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or areyouseriouspodcast.com. You knew it had to happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Dig it. 
What kind? All right, feed sack. Uh, I'm getting hungry. I always get hungry at the end of these. Let's turn that down and play. Why don't I read an email first? Because we got one. Um, from Armin. He hasn't written in a while. Dear Loaf and Zom, I just listened to your fantastic Ital- Italian gore episode. Fantastic, really. Uh, and enjoyed it, as usual, quite a bit while stumbling. Uh, I thought it was going to say st- while we were stumbling. While stumbling with my dog through early morning cold and shitty weather. Uh, I really like the diversity of your opinions and the friendly exchange of arguments. Well, we we start crying and screaming at each other after we stop recording. So, <laughs> Regarding the beyond, I'm possibly somewhere in the middle uh, between your two opinions. The movie has a great atmosphere and a strong ending, uh, but the strange editing and the ridiculous effects in the spider face eating really made it a bit hard to watch. That is right in between. Um, I have never been a fan of the cannibal subgenre with a couple of cats at home you watch enough mindless killing of mice, birds, and such. It's really scary to see the glee of joy in the eyes of little killers when they kick a homeless rodent around. Not that my dog is much better. He once caught a mouse more by accident and kept it in his mouth, alive, I guess, for minutes. I saw the tail wiggling around through his teeth, a bit like the squid and old boy. I was not able to get it out, and finally he crunched and swallowed it. Nature's a bitch sometimes. (laughs) Damn. Uh, Regarding the topic of the show... Wild Geese is one of my absolute favorite war action movies. I love the playful but serious bonding and camaraderie of the characters, the professional handling of violence and killing, and the serious political and emotional undertones. So many iconic moments. Man, this set must have been, uh, there must have been some hard drinking on the set. Uh, The cast is obviously stellar, even down to the smaller roles, and I seriously got misty-eyed when some of the characters met uh, met their fates. Not totally unexpected. Um... It does not happen often these days that I find that I really find or sorry. It does not happen often these days that I feel I really feel something for a movie character. Adult movies aside. <laughs> what? what? Um, interesting to see Hardy Kruger, still alive by the way, ja. for a change, not in a Nazi role, there you go, and holding his ground beside uh Roger Moore, uh or Moore Burton and Harris. Um, even when seeing it the first time as a kid, I was amazed how topics like racism and homosexuality were handled, especially for a movie of its time. Um, as I mentioned on the Facebook page, I hope this one will never be remade. That's a good point. Unless Expendables is a remake, right? Uh, <laughs> kind regards, Armin. Cool. Thank you, sir. And I hope we, uh, hope we did the, uh, Hey, that was German. No shit. <laughs> what? I thought that was William Newton. Is he German? Uh, <laughs> Yes. He is. He was a Nazi. Um, all right. Got some uh, emails here. You heard it here first. Wayne Newton, Nazi. What is Wayne Newton? Is he just like American or is he something like... Jackson. I don't know. I always thought he was like... Because like Engelbert Humperdinck was like Hawaiian or something, right? No, that was Don Howe. What is Engelbert Humperdinck then? He was the leader of the House of Humperdinck. <laughs> I'll look it up. British. He's British, but I, I, I could have sworn he was from somewhere else. I thought Wayne Newton was like Native American, but he might have yeah, just Yeah, maybe that's one. who I'm thinking of. How the hell did we get on that? Oh, Donkashane. Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. 
Right. He's fucking from Virginia, so that's what he is. <laughs> Who am I thinking He's of? Cherokee. Here we, here we and he, his father was Pahatan, an Irish, a Native American, Pahatan, Pahatan, and his mother was Cherokee and German. So he has Native American on both sides. All right, here we go. First, first audio feed sack. Hey, uh, hey, <laughs> Silver and Gold. Uh, this is English Matt. Uh, I have to say congratulations, guys. I didn't get laid, but you guys got me up, uh, at least invited back to a girl's house to smoke weed and watch crazy movies. That's at least a bit good, even if I was cock blocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, things might work out better in the future. Anyway, keep up the good work, English Matt. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so, first time caller. Uh, I don't know how he got cock blocked, but uh, and I and I really don't know how we would ever help somebody get back to somebody's <laughs> a woman's house. Is that but, like when you have a boner and somebody takes a cinder block and you're getting ready to fuck <laughs> and they drop it on your dick? No, it's when you're going in for a kiss. With a hot chick, and all of a sudden, a giant dick comes in between your her, her face and yours. Ooh! <laughs> Rejected! Um, and it's hers. <laughs> Whoops. Whoa, what? I don't know. Next feed sack. <laughs> giant dick. Hey, there you go. Speaking of giant dicks. Fucking great, you know, no, I fucking love you talking about all my movies, you know. And I apologize last week for not remembering that it was lockup that you also covered. <laughs> but, you know, I really had to do a big shit. And I just, my brain was focusing on needing to do a shit rather than thinking about my movies, you know. Yeah, believe it or not, there were some things that overtake my brain and thinking about it apart from myself. Too many meatballs. You know, but then <laughs> I am the one doing the shitting, so really I am thinking about myself, you know? I really needed to go. You know, it did threw me off. So yeah, lock up, you know? It's a great movie. You didn't mention seeing my ass, though, you know? You almost thought you were ashamed or something. You know, don't be ashamed to see his ass. I love... That you saw my ass, you know, and I hope you fully appreciated looking at it. Oh, I did. Looking at it in all the fucking way that I intend you to see it, all naked and shit, you know? It's fucking great. <laughs> now, fucking, you watch the fucking Rocky movies. Rocky Free and Rocky Four, you know? I thought you'd love Rocky Free. You did. You gave. You gave that one 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I like it. Greatest action movie of all time. It is, you know? It's got fucking. Glover Lang, you know, Mr. T, he's fucking going off all about shit, you know, he's going on about fucking, fucking crushing people and shit, uh, yeah, he's fucking predicting pain, that's the one, I'm trying to remember that, it's a while since I wrote that movie, you know, he's like, hey, prediction pain, you know, it's fucking, <laughs> it's another piece of, you know, the, the evolution of slime, my mentality, you know, Again, a lot of people have that. Did you say Robert Downey? The, the, the karaoke. They can watch these Rocky said. movies. They can pick any <laughs> Rocky movie and watch it and get into the mindset that, you know, I'm really about it. Fucking, you will be driven. You will be driven to achieve things you would baby. never dream of doing. You know, it's great. Hey, you moved out to Rocky Thor, you know, with your 
the, the Dolph Lundgren, you know, the gold, the yeah. gold, the slide gold, you know? He was a fucking it's specimen fucking, in that fucking you know, movie. Slide you love that shit, you know? You loved all the fucking <laughs> working out and out. You, ten, again, 10 out of 10, the greatest action movie of all time. I, thank you, Lil, thank you. Mm -hmm, no problem, you know? man. Okay, okay. The only thing I have to question about is, why are you waste, wasting watching my movies is the what you seen section? Surely you should just grab whatever you got planned and give them a full review. Like, <laughs> go on for hours about the fucking subtleties that you see within them. Talk about my muscles and my veins, you know? Because those movies are pre-tattoos. There's no tattoos. You can, you can talk about how, how they would look with tattoos on them. You know, <laughs> the anticipation, you know? That's what a lot of my movies are about, you know? It's great. I'm looking forward to hearing you, like, you guys moving on to my Rambo movies. You should probably cover all four Rambo movies in one episode. Four? Five hours long, it would be yeah. the fucking greatest episode of all time. People would fucking even pay for that shit, you know? <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you got First Blood, and then you've got Second the blood. Released from Prison First Blood Part 2. Then you have Rambo Three, which is Afghanistan. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, That's a where big. He helped yeah. the uh, uh, Al Qaeda or the Taliban. Yes. Good job, you have, Good job. Way to go, America, USA. Um, and then uh, the then just the John Rambo movie, the new one. Did you see that one? Yeah, I got that one on Blu-ray. I have all of them on Blu-ray. Weirdly, uh, bought it here recently. Eh. Hey. All right. We got a karaoke entry. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Meow. Here we go. What's up, guys? It's the Cinemastis Justin Herbalter here, and this is my entry very tinny. into the centerfold silver and gold Ooh. karaoke contest. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what the name of my version is. I'm just going to let the lyrics flow naturally. Oh, and you can just, you know, put the pieces together. I think it's a pretty simple concept. I'll be back so, in a uh, minute. i got to go to. Oh, yeah, something. thanks a lot. Let's go. Pop along. Come on, pop along. Yeah. She doesn't walk, she doesn't talk, but she comes complete. My lovely, lovely angel is guaranteed to never cheat. She's pure luck. No flakes, only I could ever stain The body of my angel Never gonna cause her pain Years go by, I'm looking through a duty magazine And there's my lovely angel on the ads in between My blood runs cold My inhibitions have just been sold My angel is a blow-up doll Angel is nice. a blow-up doll My blood runs cold <laughs> My inhibitions have just been sold. My angel is a blow-up doll. Angel is a blow-up doll. No need for love notes to get on her dress. Gonna throw the stick right in. <laughs> what, what, what? I begin chicken in my shoes when I apply the warm blue. Uh, something has a hold on me when angel lets me slip in. That smooth and plastic body. Too magical to touch. Do what my heart wants. Feel it just too much cause my blood runs cold my inhibitions have just been sold my angel is a blow up doll angel is a blow up doll my blood runs cold 
My inhibitions have just been sold. My angel is a blow up doll. Angel is a blow up doll. That's what she says when I'm sick of dinner. It's okay, I understand. Saying this ain't no normal romancing. I hope that your ears is gone with my plastic new dancing. Call my therapist? No, you won't. My love for Angel is just divine. Just because she can't talk doesn't mean this isn't fine. <laughs> A part of me is now in her. I refer to it as my spur. Oh, no, you can't deny it. Oh, yeah, I definitely bought it. My blood runs cold. My inhibitions have just been sold. My angel is a blow-up doll. Angel is a blow-up doll. My blood runs cold. My inhibitions have just been sold. My angel is a blow-up doll. Angel is a blow-up doll. Na 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 na. Ah, woo. That was like the tenth time I tried that. I think the people next to me are probably glad I'm done. They're probably thinking, "What the hell is that?" Dumbass over there singing about, and uh, what the hell is silver and gold? Well, I'll tell you what silver and gold is. It's a way of life. Just like my son of fold, or I'm sorry, my my blow up doll, who is my son of fold. That was pretty pretty right. good, pretty creative. I will have to say that uh, that was that was pretty good. It it it. it uh, just like Wild Geese started off kind of slow for me, this one this one definitely picked up. Um, it, it started off a little weak, but uh, he turned it around quick. So around good job, buddy. Um, shit, I think that's the last feed sack. What a way to wrap it up, sack, sack. Uh, so next week on the show, oh, you can always send us feed sack to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred or silvergoldpodcast at gmail dot com. Find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher, find us on our website, silvaandgold.com. You know what I was thinking? I might start posting our episodes on YouTube also, just to get it out there like another another, yeah. another yeah. resource. It's okay. free. Somebody might listen. Who knows? I mean, we've been doing it two years, and we have like 10 listeners now, so maybe we can get like 12. It'd be good. Nobody cares. Um, Nobody cares. So next week on the show, we're going to honor not only... I. I I <laughs> I almost said um, John Holmes. We're gonna <laughs> what? We're, we're, John I don't Holmes, know. And Steve Martin. We're gonna we're gonna honor. <laughs> yes, I almost uh, instead of John Hughes, I almost said John Holmes. We're gonna honor John Hughes and Thanksgiving. We're gonna do two Thanksgiving themed John Hughes road movies. Yes. We're going to do Dutch from 1991 and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles from probably right around the same time, right? 89? When is that one? Um, but yes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and Dutch for next week. So we, I've been, when uh, Zom watched all of his John Hughes movies a couple weeks ago, I've been itching to see some <laughs> he got of them. inspired. So. And, John, and Zom's never seen Dutch, so I'm excited for him to see it because I don't need rules. I've went Dutch a few times. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of the chick I took out. <laughs> so Stupid um you got bitch. this? <laughs> yeah. She deserved it. Yeah. 
Um, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the feed sacks. And like we said, a couple more weeks on um, on the karaoke centerfold. So ja. send, send us in. The contest is still growing strong. That was a good that entry for pretty, this week. So. That was pretty strong. I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, we got one. Uh, they kind of tailed off there. We weren't getting any. And then all of a sudden, Justin comes correct. Yeah. So let's keep, keep it up, guys. It. Keep it up. You might get something. Might get something fancy. Job. So, or yeah, I'd like to see somebody that. really fucking step it up and fucking give that fucking weirdo a run for his money. <laughs> we won't say who the weirdo is. Um, What's that Don? <laughs> right. Do you have anything else this week, sir? Not really. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, happy. Well, today is the twenty second. So it will be Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Will have passed. Yeah, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is this coming passed, Thursday. So, so you guys go out and celebrate the mass slaughter and yeah. uh, of you, ce- uh, you, you celebrated Americans. Columbus Day in October. Now go celebrate more dead Indians, uh, more dead Native Americans for Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy your enjoy your turkey and and bloodlust. And uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's America. But, uh, we're making a we're making a tofurkey this year. We are cooking at home. Should be good. I like tofurkey a lot. Tofurkey. Like, tofurkey. Is tofurkey, that like some like kind it. of a weird sex thing? Yes. Tofurkey. We're gonna stuff the tofurkey. <laughs> so you take your toes. <laughs> is, is that like anal shrimping? Yeah. That's exactly. How did you know? That's good. You put you put two and two together. All right. Yeah. Until next week. Really this is Loaf and his dirty toes. Oot. Zah! <laughs> <laughs>